Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan... Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. starting to feel like another wasted season, isn't it? Yep, you are absolutely right. In fact, because you're kind of the historian here at the Barroom Network, do you remember when was the last time things felt as disastrous after, what, seven weeks, seven games of football You know, as, as things do right now? I keep thinking of 2014, and we had a similar start that year in terms of uh, three and four, something like that, where it was like, okay, you get a couple of wins together, go on a streak, like this season isn't all lost, but it went the other way mm-hmm. where you just kept losing. And Sunday was just so demoralizing. I, I, I talked to Brandy before the game and I said, my honest assessment was 45-10 Tampa. And who knew that we wouldn't even get but three? And I just felt so down because I was reading the, the COVID inactives and 
I, I don't know. It just, uh, it felt like a storm cloud was over my head. And, and again, of course, when the game kicks off, I'm trying to come up with the ways that the bears are going to pull this off. But uh, an hour before the game, I thought, shit, they, they're not going to win. And I just text you. I was like, man, I got a bad feeling about this game. And, but it, it's so typical bears to me that, you know, how did you beat Tampa last year? Mm-hmm. I know they hadn't won the Super Bowl yet, and they weren't someone that you were just so intimidated of, but they beat Brady because they blitzed him and they got pressure on him. I know you can say, well, he gets the ball out quickly, but still, the only way you're going to beat him is by putting his ass on the ground. You got to disrupt his timing. Yeah, yeah. And like Mac was a huge force. It was his best game of last season against Tampa Bay. Conversely, this this week he had one tackle. One tackle. That was it. And I, I don't know if that's on him or or the coaches. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Why do you think you can just sit back and watch this guy pick you pick you apart and think that's the winning game plan? Now I grant grant I know Robert Quinn was out, but we've seen Gibson look uh, play well in spurts. So go after him. You know, let them uh, blitz Roquan some. You know, I mean, just something. I mean, just sitting back in a, in in playing prevent. What's that going to do? Right. You're, you're still going to be down thirty-eight to three. Just go after him, man. You have a chance to get some turnover, or something, and they just they they took our strength and and neutered or spayed, depending what gender you want to use the defense, and then the offense was just an atrocity. At, at least Alex Bars played well when he came in at right tackle. That's. And I guess we're going to get Larry Bourne this week. Is that what people are thinking? So, well, that's according to uh, Jason Peters, who has now uh, been honored with uh, giving more information at press conferences than Matt Nagy does. <laughs> Peters, <laughs> Matt Nagy from his fucking car. <laughs> yes, Peters said that Bourne came up to him and said, "Hey, you know, I'm uh, I, I'm going to need your help because I'm coming back this week," and so. Uh, whether that means he's going to be on the active roster this week, I doubt it. I think they're probably going to want him to get some practice time in first. But there's a chance. I mean, you know, with the COVID issue and so forth, they might, you know, they might put you on the active roster, Dan. So I hope you're in shape. Seriously, don't you think Barr should start this week? Yeah, you know, uh, at the at right point, tackle position. It, right? Yeah, he has. But I saw a couple of plays where he was he was not at his best. But I, I think he can become better. He's he, he's definitely better than Simmons, the guy they threw out there, who was somebody uh, that you dislike. And then we learned today that he did not have a single rep at right tackle this week. Knowing that he was the backup for the backup of the backup, he did not get a single rep in practice. And so he was – you know, he was lifted, I think, after the first quarter because he, he was playing so badly. So uh, it, it's it's a mess. And, you know, somebody tweeted out today that in 2018, it looked like Matt Nagy was going to be one of the brilliant head coaches in the NFL. He had innovative offense. He really inspired players to play hard and so forth. And now it's just totally different, different uh, uh, the opposite. His offense is totally predictable. The players are not playing hard for him anymore. There's mutterings going on about his his uh, future. And so it's not a good situation for Matt Nagy. And, and then on top of all that, the poor guy, he gets COVID. So I'm looking for the press conference, and then finally it pops up. It was late or early. I don't know what, what, what happened, but there he is in his car 
you know, with really bad Wi-Fi. And so it was a mess. And it was just emblematic of what this season is turning out to be. It's really sad. It's it's so unfortunate because all of us are getting, you know, a year older. And it's just a year off of your life. Another opportunity where, I mean, they're right there in the thick of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, you could say, oh, well, that would be the seventh, the seventh seed and you're not going anywhere. But still... They're right there in terms of potentially being a wild card team if they could just get their shit together. Right, right. And the defense is on paper is good enough to get its shit together. Mm-hmm. So I, I just it's so maddening. And then you think about people who are attacking Fields this week. I'm sure you got some of that too. Where yeah, they, they were calling him a bust and yeah, like god damn, and all only the Chicago Bears could go from like almost universal praise of a player when he's drafted to like, you know, four or five starts in this tenure and think, Oh, he's done. He's a bust. Mm -hmm. Right. And he, and he had a bad game. There's no doubt about it. You know, the two, two of the three road games that he has played in have been atrocious in Cleveland and in Tampa Bay, but they weren't all his fault. We know what happened in Cleveland. Uh, The coaching was terrible. He got no help and so forth. And that was part of the same situation at at Tampa Bay. I mean, it was, you know, I I like to use that metaphor of a little little snowball going downhill. And by the time it gets, gets down to the end of the hill, it's, it's a gigantic uh, avalanche of, of snow coming at you and that's what happened to that poor guy and uh the injuries at, at and the offensive line he, the guy didn't never had, never stood a chance uh but he made some bad throws he made some bad decisions he's still holding on to the ball too long he still doesn't know the playbook as well i on the greg gabriel show i i speculated to greg and he thought it was good speculation that matt nagy didn't want Justin Fields to start because he knew he wasn't ready. And the best way to save his job was to have the veteran Andy Dalton, who wasn't going to commit these mistakes that a rookie quarterback does. Might have hurt Justin Fields' development because he's on the bench, but Nagy was much more interested in winning games and saving his job. And uh, uh, Greg responded back by saying, you know, it's interesting because somebody close to the Bears organization not a member of the Bears organization basically told me the same thing. So it's, it's, um, it's just a fiasco. Everything, you know, it's a mixture of poor coaching, um, uh, a lack of depth and bad luck too. You know, there's been a lot of bad luck for the bears as well, and they're not good enough to overcome the bad luck. Who was the coach that was responsible for telling Fields that there's 12 men in the huddle <laughs> and to take a shot. Yeah. I'm glad that Fields went on first yeah. in the presser because otherwise he probably wouldn't have been able to tell people that. And I'm glad he got his side of the story out because Matt Nagy sure as fuck wouldn't have. It, when he was asked about it, it, again, it was just like he just rambled on for two minutes and didn't say anything pertinent to the question whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It, he yeah. he came out in uniform. That's how anxious he was to meet the media. You know, I think he's kind of fed up with the situation too. And you just hear players now saying these subtle things where they're throwing the coach under the under the bus. You know, he's had their loyalty long enough, and it's just not working. And so they're fed up. And guys like Allen Robinson, he's losing millions. 
He's losing millions. He's gonna. He may not get 50 catches this year. Here's a guy that's going into the free agent marketplace, and he's gonna have to sell his services with a 50 or 60 catch season when he was asking for probably the first or second or third highest contract for a wide receiver in the NFL. So imagine his frustration. <laughs> this, is, this is a. This is bad, man. It, it is really bad. But you know, if we're gonna call out Fields. A-Rob's not having a good year either. Mm -hmm. And all of that's not on Nagy or Fields. Some of that's on him. And uh, at this point, I'd have to say the most disappointed I am in terms of, you know, who I expected something from would either be Allen Robinson, uh, Jimmy Graham. But I think that, that, you know, he had, what, eight or nine touchdown receptions last year. And he's got one catch this year. And that's that's on coaching. Because mm -hmm. there's no way that Jimmy is, is falling off so badly he can only catch one ball. That's just, there's no way that's the case. And uh, another person is, is Eddie Goldman, you know, you, but maybe he's just still working himself back into football shape, but it just feels like those are the guys to me that have been, you know, like monumental disappointments. And of course, Eddie Jackson's always hovering in that category as well, but he had 10 or 11 tackles on Sunday, which is hard to believe. Do you think that, Allen Robinson would have more than his 23 receptions if Andy Dalton had not gotten injured and played all these games? It's a good question, but I don't know. I, I This offense is probably going to handicap whomever's back there. And, of course, the offensive line as well is something that they – but they know that. And and then they don't want to chip and didn't want, don't want to help with tight ends and things they can do that, that Romo was saying during the broadcast, you know, that they, they – they don't do what they do well until the third quarter, and it's too fucking late. Mm -hmm. It's just like, God, who's coming up with these strategies? Yeah. See, I, I think, uh, and, and A-Rob said it. He, he said it at the press conference. You know, we uh, Justin Fields and I have not had, we're working on our chemistry because we rarely got snaps together in preseason. That was the, the dilemma that the Bears put themselves in when they drafted this young man. And then they decided he was going to be the number two quarterback and he wasn't getting starter reps in camp. So they go into the season and because of injuries, uh, because of an injury to the veteran, you're forced now to start the, your second string quarterback, the rookie. And he didn't have the necessary snaps in preseason to come in there with a head start. So he's this is basically his preseason, some of these games for him, you know, where he's learning. So that hurt A-Rob, and that's hurt uh, Justin Fields. The right decision would have been, like other teams that drafted these top quarterbacks in the first round of the 2021 draft, the, top, the best decision would have been, here are the keys to the car, Justin Fields. You got a veteran. You got two veterans behind you. Utilize their knowledge. Get ready for week one against the Rams. That would have been better than giving Andy Dalton the keys to the car and then pretending that you're getting Justin Fields ready without the necessary reps to, to, to be ready. It, it, it's, it's a confounding situation that they put themselves into because, again, they just don't know how to run the team adequately. I think that Ryan Pace is as much to blame about this than anyone else. And you say confounding, and it bewilders the mind uh, that Ryan Pace isn't talking right now. I mean, I know he doesn't talk, but a couple of different times. But, hell, you need to put a unified message out there to try to, like, tell everyone the ship isn't sinking. Your coach has got COVID. He can't even go in the goddamn building. 
And like this would be the the opportune time for you to speak. And where is he? And I something I wanted to say quickly uh, that I'm still I'm stealing this straight from Ed Obranovich, but it was such a good point that it stuck with me. Why is it all day long that Fields is on the sideline with you know? We always analyze Cutler with the bad body language. You can just see on Fields' face that he was also confounded and bewildered by what was going on, mm-hmm. and yet there are no coaches on the sidelines. No one's like got a tablet. No one's got Polaroids. No one's trying to coach him up. He's just sitting over there by himself, and he looks like he's defeated. Yeah, I you know? did. And, I def- and they don't do anything about it. I did see DiFilippo with him a few times, and I think that a lot of times the cameras caught him because – he went to the bench totally frustrated, and he needed space. And those coaches know, all right, like, give the kid a minute here before I sit down with him and point out all the things that he did wrong or how to run away from this pass rush or whatever. So I, I'm not sure. Eddie, I, I'm not, I don't completely agree with Eddie OB on that, but I, I understand what he is saying. You want this guy to get the constant tutoring, but sometimes, you know, it's also best – to stay away from the kid and let him absorb the frustration and, and vent some of that frustration out. But I, I got to tell you, um, one of the things that really bugged me about the, the preparation for this game was is that we, they knew that there was a COVID outbreak at Hallis Hall. They knew it. And so what kind of preparation did they do for that? It, it didn't look. It doesn't look to me like they t- took the proper precautions. They should have known. Hey, well, what happens now that Elijah Wilkinson is going to play right tackle because Jermaine Ifedi is hurt? What happens if uh, Simmons, his replacement, has to go in? Shouldn't we give him some reps at practice? They didn't give him any reps. You know, and so it, it's a, it's just poor coaching at this point. At this point, it's just, it's like everything is unraveling. It's, it's like a, one of these fucking disaster movies where it just things get keep getting worse and worse and worse. And you're like crying for help, and nobody can hear you. And we don't have Steve McQueen here to save the fucking the towering inferno tonight. <laughs> That's right. That's we, right. Did you, did you hear? I they said if for some reason that Nagy. Isn't ava- isn't available Sunday because of COVID? That it's going to be Chris Tabor as the coach? Are you fucking serious? <laughs> that's right. That's I mean, I, why wouldn't you go with someone that's got coaching experience on your fucking roster? Who <laughs> no one's even talked about all year, and Mike Pettin. Right? Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird that Chris Tabor is leading all is, is the de facto coach right now for the next few days as Nagy is on the COVID protocol? So, and the special teams is what probably dead last in the league in the league with the exception of Cairo Santos <laughs> and O'Donnell. But I mean on the kick coverages it's like what is he doing as a coach how, how I, the whole time he's been here as a special teams coach that they've struggled yep this is this is his buddy chris Tabor. him and mike fury are his buddies so if it wasn't you know why because bald guys stick together <laughs> um, it could be one other thing that i wanted to say regarding um ryan pace is I understand why he has not come out with uh, to address the media. I was advocating that he should have, but and then I started to think about it, and it's like, well, what happens if he is planning on making a coaching change week eight if the Bears lose their next two games or just have pathetic performances? If he comes out you know, tomorrow and meets the media, he is definitely going to be asked, are you giving your coach 
Matt Nagy, the vote, uh, a vote of confidence that, that he is going to be the coach for the rest of the season. Well, if he's got, if he's even playing with that thought, he's going to either lie or say the truth. And if he says the truth, then is that good or is that bad? I don't know. So I, I think he has to come out on the bye week and address the, the, the media, if the, particularly if the Bears lose the next two games. He, he has to. Just like uh, 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 Emery and Tressman uh, met the media after the, the double nickel, the, the double uh, 50 burger losses to the, oh. <laughs> to the Patriots and, and backers. So I can understand why maybe he shouldn't talk right now. What do you think? And ironically, those two games, I see your point. Uh, going back to the 14 reference, it was Rodgers and Brady – <laughs> again, although I think New England was first that time. Uh, but yeah, either yeah. way, it's Rodgers and Brady again that have put the organization this far back. And and both guys did it with zeal this week or the last two weeks. You know, Brady used it as like a vindictive rage from last week and was trying to run up the score from last season, rather. And like I said, you played into his hands, but with that soft coverage and and no pressure whatsoever. I don't know what they thought they were doing. Mm-hmm. If I told you going into the game that Herbert would have the best game rushing against their defense all season and we were going to lose by 35, you would say, hold up now. Come on. You're, you're really just being dramatic. Did it bother, How is this even possible? Did it bother you that uh, early in the third quarter, the Bucks have the ball inside the five, and even on fourth down, they're trying to score a touchdown. They weren't satisfied with just getting three points and making it thirty-eight to three. They were they were trying to run up this score. Did it bother you at all? No, for some reason, what bothered me more was just, and, and again, I guess we we as Bears fans and Bears or alumnus and Bears, you know, the whole entity that is the Chicago Bears, perhaps deserved it, but I was really annoyed by how facetious Tony Romo and Jim Nance were during the broadcast. Like, oh, this play is going to decide the game, Jim. It's 35 to three, you know, just like, man, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like your job is, I get it. You're trying to have some fun or something, but damn, yeah, especially w- Jim Nance, like your job is to be the straight lace exactly. play by play guy. Why are you trying to, it's like, he's trying to do stand up somewhere. Right. I, I was really, really pissed off by that. Um, I want to first of all, I want to thank Johnny Santucci. He's handling the chat uh, room comments, and he'll be out with uh, here with us to talk uh, at the top of the hour. Um, I want to address this question. Bear Truth Nine is asked, uh, "What does Ryan Pace say when he comes out?" So, you know, I've worked in the communications business, and so I've advised people on how to deal with disaster communication. It's called crisis communication. So, what I would tell. Uh, Ryan Pace says, you got to be authentic. You got to be honest. And you got to say, listen, all of our jobs are on the line here. This is a desperate situation. Uh, and, and that co- press conference would happen after the, the trading deadline, which is another topic we should talk about. But if they don't move anybody, then the the message is we're going to continue to fight every week. We're going to try to get on a win streak. There's only one way to start on a win streak is to win the next game. I've challenged this coaching staff to come up with more innovation, to come up with more plays, to get the most out of these players, because I truly believe that we've put a competitive roster together. The only problem is, is that there's been injuries. The injury started in training camp. You look at our, our injury report every week. It's among the longest 
of any NFL team. This team needs uh, to get some good luck, get, needs to get healthy, and I have every confidence that these coaches can get it out of these guys, and if they can't, then we're, 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 we're all facing guillotines. That's, that's what I would everything advise Everything that you just said, I thought the way you were going toward the end was maybe to intimate that Pace was going to come out and say to save his own ass to try to point all the blame at Nagy because everything you said was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we haven't utilized bird speed all year. We haven't utilized uh, uh, Marquise Goodwin speed all year. We haven't used Jimmy Graham all year. He's got one catch. You know, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. I've put together a decent roster. And for that, you know, I'm going to make a move because I'm trying to save my own ass. And if, if the Bears can somehow win without this fuck, then maybe they say, ah, it's not the GM's fault. And I can keep my job. So I kind of thought that's where you were painting the picture there. But maybe Pace is at the point where he just thinks, like, I, I have no shot without Nagy. But to me, it would behoove him to point the blame at Nagy because I think Pace would instantly double his popularity in Chicago by firing Matt Nagy. I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. And if he wants to save his own job, if he wants to keep his family here in Chicago for another season or two or three, then that would be the strategic move to make. And I got I got to respond to uh, Travis's chat. He says, you know, they, they that Ryan Pace is not going to say that's the most secretive or organization. There's no way he's going to come out and say any of that. And Travis, you're absolutely right. There's no way that this, they their philosophy about communicating is 180 degrees. Uh, separate or different than mine. If I were to go in there and 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 interview a, a, for a job as a creative consultant or something like that, they would say, "Get the fuck out of here, kid <laughs> or old man. <laughs> we we're not, we don't divulge anything. We were hoping you had ways to help us lie more." <laughs> I don't. I'm not good at that. <laughs> I always get caught in a lie. <laughs> it, doesn't it feel like that maybe Pace learned from the best, so to speak? And he kind of behaves like John Fox now. Yeah. They're all evasive and vague and don't answer questions, which is all the things that we criticized Fox for at the time. Uh, and it's like even Nagy does it just in a more polite way. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. I think there, there's some truth to that. And that um, if there's any holdover from the John Fox era is that that kind of secretive, no information approach, it's actually gotten worse. You know, I mean, since Fox left, they've implemented the no videotaping, the Greg Braggs rule. You can't videotape any of the practices. They've uh, no longer allowed bloggers and podcast people like us to attend two or uh, other practices during preseason. And we were standing on the sideline next to the head coach and overhearing conversations with the players and coaches. They've taken all of that stuff away and more. Um, because of that super secretive nature. So um, perhaps, you know, that's what Ryan Pace learned from John Fox. And if so, fuck you, John Fox. <laughs> You're making my the, job the harder. Thing that, the thing that, I'm sorry to step on you, the thing that epitomizes this more than any was, I think it was last week and it was perhaps after the, our show. Mm -hmm. So we didn't, we didn't bring it up because, you know, the show's on Tuesday and he meets the press afterwards. Mm -hmm. When he was asked about Tariq Cohen's status, and he just said something like, you know, he he's still working hard and I appreciate him. And he said he's the same. What does the fuck does that mean? The same from when he got the injury, the same from last month, the same as yesterday. What the fuck does that mean? That's what he's worth. He's the same. 
And I, I, I defend the Chicago media on a lot of things, but I would have liked a follow. What do you, what do you mean the same? The same as what? With, you know, it could, because they're, they're talk about secretive. Yeah, they're, they're, that's top secret. How many surgeries did he, did he have? How many, you know, what, what exactly, what kind of a tear is this that is keeping him out more than an entire year? That's, that's for an ACL injury. That's going to be a really serious injury. His fucking knee must have fucking exploded into smithereens. Yeah, it looked bad at the time, but I mean, I think even in 1968, Gail Sayers would have already been back by now without modern technology. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because Jeremy said he thought the John Fox rule had to do with hookers before a road game. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> I've heard that. Where'd you hear that from, and Dan? No, it was that Philadelphia thing where they went to strip clubs yeah. or something that year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, John, I'm sorry for stepping on you there, Dan. What were you saying? No, no, I was just referencing that game, that infamous game where they went to Philly mm. uh, with under Fox, and the, the whole damn team went to the strip club the night before the game and then got blown out. Yeah, they sure did. And um, typically, you know, when you go to a strip job, a uh, strip, <laughs> strip job, you know where my mind is. When you go to a strip club, <laughs> the only uh, job you want is a blow job, not to get blown out. <laughs> I fucked that joke up. <laughs> no, it works. It works. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where we go from here. It's, you know, if you could beat San Francisco, who suddenly has four losses and without the running back, whom the Bears used to have, you know, on the practice squad, uh, become a beast over there. Uh, but they they're in like sort of turmoil. Don't know what to do at quarterback. Do you stick with Jimmy? Do you go at the kid? They're both kind of hurt. I mean, this is a game that they should be able to steal, especially it being at home. Mm -hmm. And then if you do that, then you're you're back at five hundred, and then. You know, Roethlisberger, if you get some pressure on him, he doesn't have the arm that he did before. He's, you know, he's fucking 48 years old or well, 39. But the point is, like, he is a shell of his former self. Not to say that he's a scrub now, but mm -hmm. he's not the same guy he was. So that's a winnable game. Mm. So, But I could see them losing both of them, though. Yeah, absolutely. Those They have to win those two games. If Even if you split, then you should fire Matt Nagy. Even if you split, you've got to win those fired two after Sunday. I mean, you had you had the reason. You had the Jalen Johnson stuff uh, with, you know, the I, can you believe he fined me yeah. for being one minute late? But, but then again, if Nagy just goes and has a conversation with him like a man face to face. That's it. Yep. And then maybe he doesn't feel like he's entitled to to show the world about his fine. Because he maybe he doesn't feel so wronged by it, mm -hmm. and you got the Rogers comment about "I own you," and then and then Brady comes out and then beats you thirty-eight to three, and it's not even that close. And your star quarterback, the guy you've moved assets for, the guy whose jersey everybody's buying, you're making him look like he's Cade McNown right now. Mm -hmm. All of these reasons combined, he should have been fired after Tampa. Yeah. They just said, look, you've got COVID anyway, so pay for your own flight. Get the fuck home on your own dime. Right. Yeah, that whole Jalen Johnson thing was it was handled poorly. You know, in, in that situation, you bring the player into the locker room or into the office, and you say, listen, you know, the rules are the rules. I got to find you. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold this fine right here, and I'm not going to submit it. 
But if you come late again, I'm going to submit this fine and the new one. So get out of here and go go to practice. That's the way that should have been handled. But to 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 alienate a, a guy who you desperately need and you you might be losing the locker room because of all the you know they hear the word soup and the bullshit talk and the love and stuff fucking matt nagy said before that the uh he said that uh on saturday night that the team felt even closer You're so to- close the last 48 hours <laughs> get the fuck out of here what are you running fucking lover's lane shop you know what Aldo? <laughs> since our debacle show two weeks ago and all the hostility and malice that came out of my mouth that night, I've become so close to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, uh, those words still ring in my ears. Those love words that, uh, that you shared with me. Where are they? Fuck. Where's my little drop here? Oh, here we are. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I was mad. I was mad. Well, you know, we were all mad, but I'm just saying, the bottom line is... Tooch wants to know, what about me, Dan? <laughs> he, he writes in the chat. <laughs> okay, Tooch, if you want me to sodomize you, I will. <laughs> <laughs> you are horny, huh? You've been working hard. What, how many hours did you work today? Uh, I worked 7.30 last night to 4 p.m. today, and then I slept 4.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m., and then I'm back here at 7.30 east. So Jesus, I got off at 8. Uh, it's it's a long day, man, but... Um, I'm a cash whore. <laughs> you got to pay for all those hookers, huh? <laughs> I need some hookers. Now I got to pay for uh, those, you know, just bills and everything comes up at once. You know, like mm. uh, without going too long on that, like I, I pay so much a month, like on AP and then like the anniversary month. And that was this month. And then there was a small escrow shortage because that was reevaluated this month. Everything comes up at the same time, it seems like. Mm-hmm. So you just need money here. You need money there. And and then before you know it, like, fuck, I need an overtime shift. So. Oh, man. I I really hate that you got to work that much. But I, it's probably keeping you sane. Because if you were home thinking about the Bears and obsessing about the Bears as you tend to do. <laughs> you- I do. But you know what? Sunday was so di- – it was so different mm-hmm. because – and I hate – like I said, I hate admitting this. But I just felt going – before the game started – like I told you, I, I honestly felt like we're going to get rolled today. Mm-hmm. And I never really, uh, you know, acquiesced to that thought, but I did on Sunday. And when I'm watching it, I guess I didn't feel as outraged as I normally would or like butthurt over it because I just felt like, well, fuck, I knew this was going to happen. And it, it happened like as soon as the game started, like the uh, fields is out there and it's just like, oh, man, here we go. It's just, it was like confirmation of what I already felt was going to happen. I, I, no one could have predicted the fields was going to have that kind of game. Right. But even so, like, I, I'm nowhere near uh, the camp that thinks that, like, he's a boss. To me, that's crazy talk. Mm-hmm. And now there's people saying that David Montgomery, like, ah, you don't have to resign him. You got Khalil Herbert. I'm like, God, it's been two games, man. Yeah. Come on. No, you you want a, a running back room of Montgomery and Herbert. You want that as long as you can possibly keep it. Uh, PJ says, in all fairness, uh, how do we know whether or not Nagy had similar conversation with uh, Jalen jo- uh, Jackson? Yeah, he might have, but I, I'm speculating that he didn't because it was a frustrated Jalen Johnson, who posted that social media uh, post saying something like, you know, what's up with this? Uh, And he showed the letter. 
And he showed the letter. So yeah, and the letter, you know, Nagy didn't like take the letter. Some stooge took it to his like his uh, locker. Right. Right. So yeah, the whole process just it's like Nagy's so afraid to like hurt their feelings or mm-hmm. in a way that like because he's like, man, if I if I call him in the office and if I tell him I'm finding him, he won't want to like hang out with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, quote uh, as as Tooch just put up, he's taxing my bread, and I don't, I don't think he was talking about his wonder bread. He's taxing his money, man, and that's that's bullshit. PJ goes on to say we shouldn't be too upset about Sunday's game because everyone pretty much knew that the Bears were gonna, were going to get blown out. That is true, PJ. But although, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, I recall you saying that you thought there might be a chance that the players were going to get together after that embarrassing loss to Aaron Rodgers yeah. and their dicks being dragged through the dirt, uh, and that you thought that they were going to respond in a more positive way. Instead, I thought that there that was a turning point. It's what I kept saying last week. It was right. a turning point. Like either this is where it goes like awful, or this is where they rally as a team and come together. Mm-hmm. And well, it's still the you know maybe that could still happen, but I I I wasn't surprised. I like I said, you don't you don't pressure Brady, you don't protect your quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they thought they were doing. I don't know what the game plan was. I'm not sure they knew what the game plan was. But, you know, the scary thing is that Tampa was at without arguably their best defensive player. They were without Gronk and without Antonio Brown. That's right. <laughs> Jesus Christ, imagine if Brown and Gronk <laughs> and Mike Evans had been out there at the same time. Oh, yeah. They they definitely would have scored that, that touchdown they wanted at the beginning of the third quarter, and it, it, they could have easily have, you know, Embarrassed the Bears uh, with a, a score of seven, seven. What was that? The, the record is seventy-one to three. The Bears versus the Redskins in a National Football League championship game. They could have probably eclipsed that score. So it is a bad state of affairs for the Chicago Bears. Let me ask you this, Dan Aguirre. The trade deadline is next Tuesday, so we'll be doing our show. Uh, after a few hours after we learn about the trade deadline. So do you think that the Chicago Bears should start selling people, particularly if they lose against the 49ers? And, and what I mean by sell is uh, trading off people and acquiring draft picks, uh, dumping some of the salary, or do you think that they should go out there and try to win every game possible and maybe pull out a miracle and squeeze into the playoffs? Well, I don't think it's too... I don't think it requires a miracle to be that final seventh seed. I truly don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you're going to get Tampa again. They're going to be number one or Green Bay, one or the other. One of the Bays is going to be the first seed. Mm-hmm. So that's who you're going to play uh, more than likely. But the, maybe you get knocked out by the second seed first. So you're going to get one of the two Bays is what I'm saying. And uh, on paper, that's not going to uh, go well for you. But to answer your question, uh, you want to see them try to win every game regardless of the scenario, even if they do trade people. To me, it still makes sense uh, to trade Robinson if you can get something for him. And by something, I don't mean a sixth or seventh round pick because he is on the franchise tag and you're probably not going to tag him again. So and if he, you give him the ability to make the decision, he's going to walk. Yeah, right. So Absolutely. if you can get a fourth round pick, then I would take it. Yeah, Bear Truth 9 is saying if you could get a second-round pick for A-Rob, do it. And that's the thing. I don't think you're going to get a second-round pick because he's on that franchise tag. And so they can't negotiate with his contract until after the season. So you're basically trading for a rental. 
a wide receiver who is going to come in, learn a whole new system, and help you for the last five, six games of the season. Um, and you've really got to feel, man, if we need a, a if we could just get a receiver like A Rob, we, we we could do some damage in the playoffs. And so, you know, it, it, it's going to be hard to find a taker that that uh, is going to give you anything considerable in terms of uh, uh, draft equity. And the same thing goes with uh, another great trade asset under normal circumstances, Akeem Hicks. He doesn't have a contract for next season. And, in fact, he's walking around with a groin injury that, you know, he, he grimaces every time he takes a step. So some of the trade assets that the Bears supposedly have are not that attractive to other teams for them to give up stuff. It's, it's basically send me that guy and I'll give you a fifth-round pick, but you give me your sixth-round pick. So basically, I'm getting a Rob and a six-rounder for my fifth-round pick. That's essentially what's going to happen with some of these guys. Uh, so it's just not a good situation. PJ says the early PI on Johnson, Komet missing the third-down catch, and Mooney missing a third-down catch, and the coaches telling Fields to hike the ball because they had 12 on the field all yeah. led to our demise. <laughs> sure I agree. Komet, like – I've been kind of down on Komet, and I know you've defended him because of his blocking, mm-hmm. but and I'm not even belittling that. I mean, that's an important part of that position. Uh, but it just feels like to me, I know Komet did all right against Green Bay, but it feels like to me this guy is always falling down. If he has the ball, it's it's it damn near fumbles every time he gets hit. Mm-hmm. He's falling down or he's dropping the ball. I just I want him to do well, but I I'm at the point where I think. Cole Komet is our next Adam Shaheen. No way. I think he's a bust. I do. No way. I hope that he's not. I'd love to eat my fucking words. By the way, we could have had George Kittle instead of Adam Shaheen. And he grew up a Bears fan. That's right. (laughs) Which is another thing that we didn't we haven't talked about yet Mm -hmm. is that you know we got rid of Anthony Miller and Javon Wims because they threw punches. And I'm not trying to say we should get rid of Nichols. Mm -hmm. What a, it's an indictment again on the coaches to me that this keeps happening, and I'm defending Mario Edwards because people are grouping him in there. It still baffles the mind to me that Mario Edwards gets his face mask pulled by Aaron Rodgers, pulled to the ground. He tells him basically, "Get the fuck off of my face mask," and they throw the flag on Edwards, and then they find Edwards when Rodgers is the one who grabbed his face mask and pulled it to the ground. Yep. Like again, that's just such bullshit. Yeah. But I, I don't throw Mario Edwards in there. He had the one egregious penalty earlier this season, but I don't think the Green Bay one was fair. But the Nichols punch, I get why you're frustrated. We're down 100. The guy's talking shit, whatever. But to me, that's, again, it's just an indictment on this coaching staff. And the reason I say that, it's because there's never any uh, accountability with what, what's going to happen. You may get suspended the next game. You may get fined. But then you're going to be starting again. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, why, why you don't have to worry about what this guy's going to say or do to you. It's like if your parent, if you're growing up and you know your parent's not going to punish you, whether that's to like, keep you in your room or take away, you know, your social life or whatever. Maybe some people actually got whipped and shit like that. What, whatever the, the indication of how you would be punished. But if you thought you could do whatever you wanted regardless and your parent wouldn't do anything about it, what would keep you in yeah. from fucking up? Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I, 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 and I understand the frustration. I have the same frustration, too. It, 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 this season, 
and it seems like every season the Bears get jobbed with the officiating. But this season has been probably the worst that I can remember. I mean, what has happened with the bad luck? I'm going to call it bad luck because I refuse to believe that the NFL officials are conspiring against the Chicago Bears. And sometimes, you know, officials subconsciously make bad calls against bad teams because they say, yeah, you guys suck. You know, so you, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the other the other team. Aaron Rodgers is a superstar. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. You, he probably didn't do anything wrong. It's shit like that, you know. But wh- whatever my, my point here is, is that this season has been so frustrating because on top of all of the self-inflicted pain that we've been putting on ourselves, the fucking referees are just compounding things with their fucking idiotic calls. And this this is, you know, I, I don't want to get into my biannual rant on, on NFL officiating, but I'll just say that they have got to fucking figure this thing out. There's no fucking reason why this organization, this this enterprise that makes $5.5 billion a year doesn't have full-time officials. Oh, so what would they do during the week, Aldo? They would be fucking studying the playbook. They would be going through scenarios. They would be studying tape for tendencies about stuff. They would be addressing some of the issues that they fucked up in the past and trying to figure out how to correct them. They would be working together to be better teammates as an officiating crew. They could be doing all sorts of shit, but here we are. Go to a referee zebras. I think it's called Z, uh, referee zebras or zebrasreferees.com, and you see the profession of all these officials, college professor, financial advisor, vice president of bank, and so forth. Are you fucking kidding me? These are the guys who you are entrusting with, the, with, with making calls on important games that people are betting hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on? You're entrusting your point, it to your part-time right. employees? Your point, is, your point is so right because essentially, even if even if your, your, your counterpoint was like, well, what are they doing during the week? Okay, I get that. You're saying that they're, maybe they're not earning anything during the offseason, uh, although you're saying you know they study that mitigates that theory. But even if you think, well, they're not doing anything during the week and that's part of your viewpoint, you're basically paying them on Sunday or, or Thursday or Monday, whatever. You're paying them to do a hobby. It's like it, being a referee is like fun for them. Mm-hmm. Now, like you said, it should be their career to where it's like they feel like their pride and their livelihood and everything, it matters to them versus, like you said, my real job is, hell, I'm the president of the local bank and I just do this shit on the weekends for an extra check. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, I mean, it's the National Football League. It's not like... You're fucking. I get it. If it's your your high school referee, your high school referee's got to work during the week. He or she has to work because they're probably getting paid fifty dollars the game, a hundred dollars, whatever. So I get that. But this is the National Fucking Football League. Mm-hmm. The National Football League can afford to pay everybody that works on the crew, uh, regardless if you're the head ref or not. You know, a a tangible living. Fucking to where hey. this is their gig. Fucking A, hey, you want a nice $350,000 a year job working uh, 20 Sundays out of the year or 30, whatever? And How about get the calls right to give them perform- performance uh, bonuses? Exactly. There. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. Every Oh, sorry about that. Uh, the um, my finger got a little tricky there. 
that's brilliant, uh, Dan. I didn't think about that, but yeah, you give perform, you you pay by performance. So everybody gets a base salary of a hundred thousand dollars, but every officiating crew is graded, and uh, the people who do the best they, they earn top top dollar, and the people that do the worst, guess what, man? You're in a performance. They get the Bears game. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but they would be like on some sort of performance improvement plan that 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 includes coaching high school games in Chicago or something to to, to uh, specialize uh, to get better at their skills. You know, it's it's something's got to happen, man. This is a fucked up situation. I hate it. I hate it with passion. Fucking NFL. <sighs> All right. So uh, what now? <laughs> what are we gonna do? We can't trade everybody because nobody wants our players. They're either too expensive. They're one-year rentals. We're not gonna get much, and uh, you know. So what do what do the Bears do now? And I think the the answer is obvious. You got to fucking fire the head coach. You got to do it. Got to. I, I think I'm not just saying this because I don't like the coach. It's just like for everything we've talked about so far you've really lost the team. You've lost the city. You've lost the country. People like myself uh, who don't live in the city or not even in that state. You've just lost all bear fans. Mm -hmm. You've lost everybody's confidence. And uh, could I transition to a certain rumor now? Is that, is that okay? Absolutely. Well, the the word around the campfire is, and you can do the attribution if you want. Mm -hmm. The word around the campfire is that a lot of NFL our Chicago Bears alumnus, uh, the individuals that played for the Bears, retired, uh, you know, they're the retired guys, are just flabbergasted. I know Matt Forte's come out and said some things this week, and I think Peanut Tillman may have said something as well. Mm -hmm. But as an entity, the alumnus have allegedly told George McCaskey, you got to move on from this guy. Mm -hmm. So it's not even just Dan and Aldo, you know, two fucking passionate, you know, meathead fucking fans who, who just, you know, who are they? It's not just us. It's the fucking, the people that played for the bears. Yep. Everybody thinks this guy has to go. And for myself and for everybody else that supports the team and buys the tickets and buys the gear and, and puts passion and thought and energy into this team for everybody that gives a fuck, you got to try to win these games. Great. And to me, and to a lot of people, it would seem the best way to win however many games you're going to get, 9, 10, 5, who knows. The best way to get that is to get this bald fuck out of here. Yep. Totally right. And um, and the, I, there was two sources to that. Uh, and one of them told me that uh, Bears management, Bears ownership, really takes to heart what the alumni say. They really, really do. And so – you know, we—I don't know if this is going to be included in your media uh, sound bites, uh, but uh, Olin Krutz talking about the uh, how upset he was and how uh, other people are upset, and that the McCaskies have to be hearing that and so forth. It was a really profound moment that uh, made the social media uh, trending circles. It's—it's it's a bad situation, and and I almost see it in in Nagy's face. I mean, besides him being sick with COVID, but I, I just I just got a sense that he knows his time is coming, and right now he's trying to hold on as desperately as possible. It is, of course, a um, it is it is you know, embarrassing to lose your job in the middle of the year and to be and to potentially be the first Chicago Bears coach in history. Over a hundred years to be fired in the middle of the season, but it's it's coming. I think it is. I, 
I honestly think if he just changed the way he coached, you know, you and I were talking briefly before the game, all the shit that Dan Campbell, like we, we all think that Dan Campbell in Detroit is a blowhard and probably is going to be fired after two years or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the guy's got fucking stones, man. He's got balls like against the Rams. He's, he's out there doing a fake fucking punt. He did an onside kick and that's in the first fucking quarter. I mean, this guy, he went for two in the victory against Minnesota a few weeks ago. He got it. It looked like he's going to win. And of course they kick off and Minnesota ends up coming back and winning with like 20 seconds to go. Mm-hmm. But this guy has been trying to win games. If Matt Nagy was like calling the game, like you're like, man, this guy's try. He's going for it on fourth down and fake punts and onside kicks. And he just, he's all in trying to get a game. You know, mm-hmm. he's going deep and if he, I think all of us would support Nagy if it felt like he was doing something different. Like if he made the assessment that, okay, what I've, what I've called for so far hasn't worked, but God damn it. I want to be the coach. So let's try something else, but he doesn't do anything else. It's the same game plan since week one of 2019. Right. When he announced that he was going to do the play calling for the 2021 season, he did that sometime in March of last season or something like that. I think when he met the team at the combine or whatever it was, we knew, okay, well, this, this is fucked up. You know, did you not learn anything from last season from that debacle? And now you're putting yourself in the same situation where you might have to fire yourself again as the play caller. You're a fucking idiot. And I want to, uh, uh, Lots of great comments in the chat room. Everybody's on fire. I want to acknowledge what PJ just said. He said that keep in mind that the Bears are building a new stadium, so they're going to have to get fans excited to buy tickets to fill the stadium. And so how do you get them excited? You fire Matt Nagy and bring in a competent coaching staff. Well, put And then uh, Chubbs, I love this one from Chubbs. He says the Bears are basically Jimmy Conway from Goodfellas teams, not winning. Fuck you, pay me. Inflation, fuck you, pay me. <laughs> My wife left you, fuck you, pay me. That's I a like great job. I like it. <laughs> that is Good excellent. reference. Great reference for Robert De Niro. <laughs> that is outstanding. All right, you want to do uh, the media segment? It's about 15 minutes long, and then we'll bring the touch in. Uh, you want to set up the media? Yeah, I I basically tried to get you know, I tried to get some national in because I know that's what you like to have, like to have it balanced out. Mm-hmm. So for that aspect, I use Boomer Esiason because he was there on Sunday at, at, during the halftime, you know, and he oh, said right. that we should bench uh, feels just out of like uh, mercy, mm-hmm. like million dollar baby shit. Just fucking pull the cord here, <laughs> like just for <laughs> to, just to protect him. So he was asked about that the next day. So we got that. We've got some of the football after show uh, with Olin uh, on a little bit of an impassioned rant. And of course, I've got Jason. Uh, God damn it. What I always forget his name. Leisure. Uh, uh, Jason Leisure. Yep. I got Jason Leisure talking. I've got uh, Dan Hampton show. I, I've got some Cap and Jay Hood. And you'll notice at the end of this, uh, being a, a station or at least a network that sort of supports all of our, our stations, such as the score. And obviously Mike North made his legend there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Hood takes a really, really gratuitous shot at the score at the end of this. Really? Yeah, he does, mm-hmm. man. I know he doesn't work for the score anymore, but still, it just was like, ooh, man. Wow. That's how my piece ends with him uh, mocking his tenure at the score. Oh, interesting. All right, and I apologize. I did not have time to put 
uh, the on-screen attributions for this, but Dan has done a good job, I think, of, of uh, telling us the inventory of And some. I got Florence Holmes, too. Great. And after, if we've missed anybody afterwards, we'll make sure to mention them, and we appreciate them allowing us to use their clips. So without further ado, here is Dan Aguirre's latest masterpiece on the media reaction to the Bears. That's where it gets very complicated and murky right now with Justin Fields, where like we all look at this guy and we think this guy is incredibly talented. You watched him play in college. You watched him play at the highest level in college. You watched him in practice over the summer. He looks like he is very, very talented. He has not been playing like the guy that everybody saw at Ohio State. And is it Nagy and Laser not, not Miami in the preseason? Right. Is it, is it Laser and Nagy not uh, playing to his strengths? Is it him not developing? Is it that almost nobody, especially as a rookie, would have a chance behind this offensive line? There's a whole lot of bad swirling around as you try to figure out what's going on. Where is Justin Fields and why at this point? And to me, what makes this a little more complicated is, you know, somehow since Bill Bill Lazor took over, the run game actually makes sense. and It works. It works. And so you're sitting there going, one facet of, of this offense is being successful and the other is not. Uh, it's, I think it's a completely rational opinion to have to sit there and go, this isn't working. And how many teams, Pat uh, and Jason, how many teams run as well as the Bears have in the last few weeks, including this week, and, and, not, and are unable to parlay it into a good passing game? That, that's as right. to me, right. Is, right. That, is that they are so staid in their offense, their running game approach, that they can't build off of it, and and play action does nothing, and uh, and and we keep going to the same argument about sample size. It's early, this and that, but cameras on him. He's staring into space. My God, he's a rookie. He's just playing, getting into his what? This is our seventh game, and this kid's getting pummeled again, and nobody is counseling him, sitting with him. Going over the, what happened the previous three downs, four downs, two sets of downs. This is beyond stupidity, folks. And I'm not going to mince any damn words here tonight. This is enough with this guy. And I'm talking about Nagy. How the hell do you go out there and, and we've got to, we give up again almost an entire draft to get, to move up to get fields and we put him in Nagy's hands with the rest of the 25 coaches? And we pass for one yard. We pass for another 109 yards. We pass for 134. We pass for what? 168 today. And we're supposed to win a football game with this nincompoop as our head coach who can't get a question, can't answer a question. And again, I'm going to say one more damn time. Where were the coaches for four quarters? You let that kid sit on a bench all by himself and not counseling him. Walking, talking him through, you'd be shamed to yourselves. You're going to still have him throw the ball around. He's still out there putting himself in harm's way for no reason whatsoever. Come it's on, dude. And you know what? In the post game, he talked about, oh, there's a handful of plays that we can kind of, you know, see the light and, and we can work with him. And, and on this one play, he bootlegged to the right and he saw that he didn't have anybody to throw. So he threw it out. This is all psychobabble, folks, folks. It's about 
putting your quarterback in the best position to make positive plays to win the game. He he said uh, that he said that point because he wanted to show everybody that uh, hey look we've been coaching him that if there's nothing there throw it away exactly We're, see well, and this is all self protection BS this is him trying to BS the McKeskies into making them think Nagy and his staff is the best option to develop Justin Fields I'm going to tell and you and it's the complete 180 I'm going to tell you I think that he has lost this team. We're all talking about Tom and what he does during the game. And really just on a bigger picture, what Justin Fields can learn from playing two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And lastly, we talked about maybe he should watch Aaron Rodgers play action, the way he takes everything seriously, the fake, the hold on his hip, the come up, sell the play action, make it look exactly like you run. That's what makes a difference between guys being great and not. And you see Brady, we saw him in the green room, talking to Evans, saying, look, you're too far out, right? So Evans is, I don't know, where his third and ten is. He's, he's there, and all he did, he noticed that he was like half a yard too wide. Too wide. Mm-hmm. Half a yard is all the difference in the NFL. Boom. And he noticed that. We talked about just on the last play, and, and Fields has to grow into this, and so does a rookie running back. But we talked about recognizing the blitz, making your teammates better. This guy caught three touchdown passes today because this guy is teaching him. Mm-hmm. What he move in there? Half a yard, mm-hmm. right? Half a yard. Yep. But half a yard makes all the difference in the world mm-hmm. for these for these route concepts to work. Mm-hmm. And he's over here, and people keep asking what his secret is. His secret is he never lowers his standard. The standard is the standard, and this is how we win Super Bowls. Yeah. Like, hey Brady, I'm only half a yard too wide. I don't care. I don't care. Move your butt in. Where are you supposed to be? Correct. Right. And you saw Justin Fields start that today by taking that podium first. Yeah. And saying, let me talk. Let me talk about, yeah, we got our butt whipped, but, but, but we're going to keep fighting. We're going to get better. But this is what he needs to demand in practice, and he's a young, he's got a long way to go. Yeah. But his teammates all have to help him, listen when he yells. But that is somebody paying attention to details, and we were in the green room. We was like, did he just move him in half a yard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, That's we're the not, difference between winning. We're not talking about a first or second year player now. No, no. That's <laughs> we're a talking veteran about, star. Yeah. Yeah. Like, man. And he moved him in half a yard. Mm-hmm. For whatever the reason is, it's because that's where you're supposed to, to be. be. Period. Mm-hmm. That's it. Why would you line up anywhere else? When I call this play, you're supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Why would you line up anywhere else? Mm-hmm. It's the reason so, why we do so it. So move over. Yeah, so mm-hmm. move over. He's like, okay. We, we, Perfect. We, we got <laughs> this week the Bears had a guy, right? He couldn't believe. Couldn't believe he got fined because he was a minute late. Mm-hmm. This guy could believe it. Yep. Absolutely. He would he talked to him immediately and said, yep. you're you're late. You're late. Mm-hmm. You got to be on time, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's that literally is the difference in winning and losing in the NFL. But the Bears have to. It's the, one of the biggest problems with the Bears this year is their defense is ready to win now, and their offense has a long way to go to learn. Anyone that we've had on the airwaves today has broken down some of the issues that they've had. I know my man Matt Forte got after it on Twitter about them being coached up. You know what? I'll reach out to Matt and see if he's got time over the next couple days to to come and hang out with us. But in yesterday's game, one of the reasons I was excited about Jim Nance and, and Tony Romo doing the game is because I wanted Romo's experience as a quarterback, like him breaking down some of the things that he saw in in Justin Fields. And 
for the most part, I, I felt like I got that. I felt like I got good analysis from Tony Romo and the the yuckety yuck 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 show from from Jim Nance on the broadcast yesterday. He was getting his one liners off like he was opening for Shecky Green, but. I also thought that Romo had some ideas about what this offense looks like overall. Take a listen to what he said. This was in the third quarter when he was asking, I think, pertinent questions about the Bears offense. This is the offense I think they can do. They need to get to what they're good at and just stay there. Play action, bootleg, run the football, every once in a while go empty, and then all of a sudden you find that you do it all over again and then throw a screen in there once in a while. And that's it. Don't try and do a lot of different plays. You got to run the same stuff over and over again and just make them look different. That's 20 seconds of Tony Romo saying what Big Ann Heron has said, what Olin Krutz has said, what Alex Brown has said, what I've said. Anyone that's been around the Bears has said about this offense and what it needs to look like outside of, of Matt Nagy. When I said it at halftime, I meant it. I meant, you know, mercy. Just to, just sit them down. Let them, let them learn and let them watch a little bit, especially against one of the better teams in the NFC, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Justin says, you know, he believes he can learn from every play. And so he wanted to be out there. And we've talked about resiliency and toughness for him. Does that argument hold water for you? Well, he has to say that, and I'd want him to say that. I want him to be competitive. I want him to be resilient. I want him to be somebody that's going to stare adversity in the face and not back down. Those are all uh, required traits, and those are all admirable traits. But the reality is, is that he, you know, his inability to handle what's going on right now hurts the rest of the team. And, you know, you do owe it to Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn and, and Allen Robinson and even Cleo Herbert, to some respect, a chance to win, a chance to believe that you can win the game. And I, I just, you know, at this point, it's it's gotten, it's probably rock bottom for him. I don't think it's going to get any worse, but he's well faced a good defense against San Francisco. There's no question about it. The question is, is whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be able to withstand the Chicago defense, which, uh, you know, I have a big question mark uh uh, going into this game coming up uh, this weekend. 26 times, regardless of who the quarterback is, his fancy crap doesn't work, and he keeps going back to it, including the first like quarter and a half of this game. Tony Romo, when it's 21 nothing, your colleague says, oh, now they're doing this. Now they're chipping and helping with tight ends. He keeps exposing the kid with awful tackles on the edge. He did it in Cleveland, and he did it again against Todd Bowles. What the hell do you think is going to happen? Whether it's succumbing to, to pressure or not, Nagy is is hurting Justin Fields terribly, and he did so again, and it's maddening, and it's not helpful. Can can you see that? Can you see where we're coming from on this? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course I understand the frustration of the fans, but, you know, I don't know what to tell you. You, you, know, you, you want, you know, two guys out in the route, and then they're going to be covered by four guys in the secondary, then nobody's getting open, and it's never the kid's fault. I'm just telling you they're hamstrung by the by the kids' inexperience. That's all I'm telling you. I'm not telling you that he can't play in the future. I can't, I'm not telling you any of that. So I'm just telling you right now he is not ready to play, and everybody is force-feeding him, and they're trying to do the best they can. And, of course, they lose their right tackle due to COVID concerns right before the freaking game. I mean, you know, these, these are the adverse things that happen, you know, in the NFL on a weekly basis. But I'm, I'm just telling you. That when the when the rookie quarterback is out there running for his life and can't see a blitz coming from a mile away, 
you know, I don't care what the hell protection you're calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to end up putting himself in a really bad position. And I, I just think that's basically what's going on right now, man. It's pretty simple. He's, he's not ready to handle it. That's all there is to it. And I, you can blame the coach all you want. He literally said this after they got the ever-living H beaten out of them. I will say the last couple of days with our team, um, we've become really close. And, uh, you know, for, for us to become as close as we have the last 24, 48 hours, um, I, just, I just trust and believe in them. And they've, they've done it before. Uh, we're three and four right now. Uh, again, we can't have this affect us and make it be a two or three or four um, feel like that much of a loss. This is what we lost, and we got to learn from it. Our guys have rebounded before in the past. And I just know from our discussion in there after the game and where we're at right now as, as, as fighters and people and teammates, it's not fun. It's, it's, this is not fun. But at the same point in time, um, we all go through some adversity to be able to get us, you know, where we want to go in the end. And so that's why I feel that way. I, I, what does that mean? You, that you've become really, I mean, I'm sure it's always been a close-knit team. No one's fraying at the edges. Matt, are you trying to F them or are you trying to coach them? This is not about a relationship. What, what are you talking about? Right. Then you have Justin <laughs> Fields asked about the overthrow interception when he was trying to hit Allen Robinson, who slipped on the play, but the pass was over his head anyway. Here's what Justin said. Yeah, so um, that was third down. Um, in the headset, they were telling me we had 12 men on the field, so I was trying to snap the ball quick. And then um, me snapping the ball quick, I think it caught our receivers off guard because we were trying to get a flag. So me thinking that we have 12 men on the field, you know, that's a free play. So I'm thinking, all right, scrambling, you know, around and stuff like that. And then, of course, see A-Rod downfield, and you think he slips, and then, of course, the pick. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's just, uh, you know, just trying to get him 12 people on the field and then just went back from there. So, yeah. Okay, so that was Justin. In his headset, they are telling him they have 12 defenders on the field. Snap the ball quick. We'll get the penalty. You got a free play look down the field. Yep. Oh, second week in a row. I didn't see a flag on the field. Did you? No, I did not. No. Okay, so Matt, what in the H is going on? Here's what happens is as we as these young quarterbacks go through this development, there's situations like this that that can happen. And you know, we have techniques within our our, our system to be able to try to take advantage. And and when when that happens, um, you know, if they do have 12 guys on and you catch them, obviously it's a free play. And, and if they don't and you hear that, that's where there's you got to, you know, understand that and learn from that. And, and that's our job to make sure that we're, we're teaching that the right way and that he, he's understanding that. And not just him, but, ev- but everybody. So, um, again, as, as Justin goes, Justin's as hard on himself as anybody. So, you know, he wears his emotions on his sleeve and he wants to be great. And, and that's what we love about him. But um, um, that's, not, that's not easy. You know, that's not easy. What did he just, he didn't no, even answer it. Did not answer the question. An embarrassment. Yeah. Well, we have 74 quarterback coaches in the building. Count them. Go find me a team that has more. Nagy. DiFilippo. DiFilippo. Mm-hmm. Laser. Um, Tom Herman. Yeah. Henry Burris. Right. That's five. How many does a team need? And the offense looks like that. Like, if you had five program directors, and after the show, the first one said, yeah, you did that wrong. Yeah. The next one said, no, I liked what you did. Mm-hmm. Let's try this. And then the third one went, forget what the first two told you.
Wow. You cut it though. That's when. Uh, oh, did I? Uh, he, yeah, he says that the. Uh, he goes. Yeah, it reminds me. Everything you're saying now reminds me of when I worked at the score. Oh man. In 2004, he's like, yeah, with all the shitty program directors telling me to do something, you know. And so I was like, wow, what a jab that was. But yeah, you, you, there was like 30 seconds left. That's oh, okay. Sorry. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully, I was able to like get like the whole like my goal with that that edit was just to bring anything we could have possibly talked about tonight. Like, I feel like that was the best summary possible. Not to, sometimes I fail at that. I, I hope that I succeeded. You, in this. That was one of the best uh, uh, ever. I think you did a great job. I learned some stuff there. I, 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 I miss some stuff. The whole 11 man thing, I, that kind of flew over my head a bit and not, not because I'm stupid, but it just it was something that I didn't focus on. And so it was great that you included that in there and Justin Fields' explanation as to what was going on because that's just another indictment that this coaching staff is not prepared. Somebody miscounted. Yep. And instead of saying that, Nagy was saying, well, we can coach. He throws Fields under the bus there saying, like, well, we we can coach him up and he'll he'll get better. Like, no, that's your fault. Yes. You're, You're fucking jabbering at this guy in his ear right before the ball's about to be snapped. Like, get the fuck out of the way. Let him play quarterback. You're telling him, hey, snap it, snap it, snap it. There's 12. So he does it, takes a shot, and guess what? There's not 12. But he's a rookie, so he's he's trusting you, you know, his coach, to be right. And that has to be Bill Lazor because I think he's the only one talking to uh, and maybe somebody told Bill Lazor with 12 guys and he, t- he took that assistant coach's word for it, but somebody's an idiot. Yes. <laughs> that is another terrible mistake on the week after he throws an interception uh, because he didn't get a flag, you know? So it is, it is this, you know, like which I said, was the right call though. Like green Bay yep, did jump on that. Exactly. So it is this kind of compendium of bad luck, bad coaching and you name it. I mean, it's, it's like, Everything that can go wrong is going wrong for this team. And then the other thing that I really liked that you included on there was the Boomer Esiason thing. Because he's totally right. He's not ready. But the reason he's not ready is because the coaching staff did not give him first team reps. So A-Rob is complaining, yeah, we don't have chemistry because we didn't, didn't play together in the preseason. So that's the issue. You, you've made it so fucking hard on yourself to help this kid. You either, you you know, maybe it should have been Nick Foles taking over for Andy Dalton, given that Justin Fields, you didn't prepare him correctly. You threw him out there to the fucking Lions, and I don't mean the Detroit Lions because <laughs> that's not a problem. Sorry, Don Burr. <laughs> but playing the Detroit Lions is not the issue. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, you know, if you're not going to give this guy all of the preparation needed to go out there and, and and compete as a rookie quarterback in the NFL, then you're doing him a disservice. And so when people are saying that Matt Nagy is not good for this quarterback, they're fucking absolutely right. Hate to say it, Matt. You know, please well, all start I backing. can say to try to give us hope now for every one of the stories that, that I could reference positively, mm-hmm. you could also point out Cade McDowell or Ryan Lee for whomever, if you want to take it the other way. But just think about this, the 1998 Indianapolis Colts with rookie Peyton Manning, they were like 3-13 and 13 or 4-12. and 12. Mm-hmm. 
and Manning played the whole season, got his ass kicked, and by the next season, they didn't go anywhere. They lost their first playoff game the, to the Titans in the second round, but they had a bye. And Peyton's second year, the Colts already had a first-round bye. Oh, wow. But, and, and he attributes a lot of that to getting his ass kicked the year before. Mm. And then you have the second season. Yeah, they go. Uh, the Titans went in there with Eddie George and Steve McNair and upset them. And then obviously beat Jacksonville on the road and then lost to the Rams in the Super Bowl. But the point is, he went from like, oh, fuck, what a horrible rookie season to you're in the second round of the playoffs. And I'm not trying to say that's going to happen with Fields, but it could. Yes. So I, what it, I'm trying to say is I think you got to let him keep playing. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point there, uh, Dan, because one of the things that impresses me so much about Justin Fields is his reaction to adversity. And this is this is new territory for this guy. This guy's always been a winner. He's always won. And now he is facing the greatest adversity of his life. And so what does he say and what does he do? He's, he talks about fighting through this. I'm not going to quit. And you, I've got two choices. One is to say I'm going to give up and not work hard, or one is to continue to work hard and get better, and I choose to work better. Those are the kinds of things that you want to hear from the, from the quarterback. He's, he's, he's got this determination, and he's got the athletic skills that make him give inspiration to all of us Chicago Bears fans that he's going to turn this around. And, yeah, he had a, a poor game from uh, – Regarding accuracy, this was his worst game against the Tampa Bay with his accuracy, and that is concerning because that tells me I am getting hit so fucking much here that I can't, you know, concentrate on getting the ball accurately to my receivers. So that has to be fixed. That's the key thing that has to be fixed. And as Boomer said, you know, you got six, seven guys in there blocking, and you only got one or two guys going out on. On, on pass patterns, then it makes it hard for the offense. But he's going to fight through this, and I agree with you, Dan, that that there is a a large glimmer of hope that this guy is going to come back in 2022, hopefully under different coaching and better coaching and and, and perform at a high level. One of the things I wish I could have included, but the score didn't post it. Uh, so they they did a post game, you know, right after after uh, the game wrapped up, obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. post game. Uh, but they didn't post that in a podcast form. Uh, I didn't realize because it's the first time I've checked in on them this season that Hub Arkish isn't doing their post game anymore. It's it's uh, Molly. Oh, so they really? got Mike Mulligan and they have that fucker, the long snapper, Patrick Manley. But he was off this week because he was ill. So they had Mark Grody and Molly doing the post game and they had this caller. I wanted to include it. Like I, like I said, they didn't post it in podcast form. But this guy, I don't know if there's any merit to what he said, but I wanted it to balance out the the uh, my 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 little reel there. Uh-huh. The caller said something to the effect of Justin Fields has always had everything handed to him. He was, you know, in co- in high school, he was this, he was that, and he was pampered. And then when things got a little bit difficult in college, he ran away to Ohio State because he couldn't win the job in Georgia, and like he. He runs from adversity, and then he goes to Ohio State because he's there with the fucking all-star team, and he's playing well, but again, he couldn't even win the job in Georgia, and he's being exposed for the fraud that he is in Chicago, and I was like, God damn. Like, uh, this guy was all, he was like, you got to start Dalton next Sunday. And like, so I wanted to put that on there to hopefully make people say that that guy was an idiot, Yeah. But, uh, but maybe I'm the idiot. When I was listening to it, I was like, I don't agree with this, but I, I, I do want to hear 
the detractors, like, what is their viewpoint? Like, why are they against this kid this soon? And I don't know if that's true about he couldn't win the job in Georgia and he had everything handed to him in high school, but it was at least something worth listening to. Yeah, that, uh, man, man, I wish I would have heard that. And it's a shame that they don't have that in podcast format. Yeah, sometimes I look for stuff on the scores website and they, they, they're not doing a good job, in my opinion, of providing uh, their shows on podcast format, but you know, I, that's their strategy. They're number one in the in the in the radio rankings, so make, perhaps well, if they you're don't look- care. I'm sorry, I mean step one. Yeah. If you were looking for something specifically, like their their podcast is called usually the best of six seventy the score, mm-hmm. but they only had the pregame show on it this week. I even checked it as late as like eight o'clock Eastern last night, uh, or maybe it was ten when I started on that actually. So I was thinking, oh, they'll post it by tomorrow or something, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and they never did because, like I said, they usually do under the banner of best of 670 the score. But they, as of last night, they, they hadn't posted that. So we've got a uh, a brouhaha in the chat room. I'm going to bring in the, <laughs> my man John Santucci here to uh, tell us what's going on in the chat room. I see you kicking people <laughs> out and stuff. What's going on? There's here? one Lions fan and one Packers fan who are just trolling in there. It's just uh, like the comments are annoying. And, you know, I, I want Bears fans to have this moments, you know, these moments <laughs> to put their things. I was just like get, the Lions fan can go somewhere else. Go on a Lions podcast if there are <laughs> any. Well, Don Burr is uh, uh, is on all of our shows, and so we've grown. Some of us, I should say, have grown to like him. You know, he he he's just on yeah. here having fun, but uh, sometimes he does get on people's nerves. And this is a very sensitive time for us Chicago Bears fans. <laughs> and um, there's a Packers fan in there too in his comments. Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh my goodness! And why did, why is uh, Mo Beerman uh, uh, gone? Yeah, it was an accident. I was I was I was on Burr. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the comment switched, and it was like it, it kicked out Mo. I don't know how to get him back. Yeah, he'll be <laughs> back in five minutes. Sorry, right, Mo. <laughs> Isn't this great, Dan? We've we've got a bouncer now in John Santos. So, what did the uh, the Packers fan? What were what was the Packers fan saying? I don't remember. It's a bunch of just like Packers or Rogers owns you and all this. How does it feel? And this, you know, I, it was stupidity, moronic comments from morons. The Bears fans are the intelligent gone. ones. Anyway. Yes, you're absolutely so. right, Dan Aguirre. <laughs> They're going to see very soon. It could be as soon as 2022 what it's like to not have a quarterback. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they they uh, may they may they may be for some uh, for some humble pie this week because Devontae Adams is not going to play Thursday's game. And we just learned that Alan Lazar, their number two wide receiver, uh, since uh, um, uh, the guy with three names, uh, Scaldez, has been out. He's He's supposed to return, though. Oh, is he? Okay, because he is number two in receptions for the Packers, so they really need him. But, yeah, Devontae Adams and Lazard are not going to play. So that's going to be an interesting game against the uh, 7-0 Arizona Cardinals. That's the Thursday night game. So that's going to be fun. Phoenix, too. In Phoenix, exactly. I place a small bet on the Cardinals, just uh, full disclosure. Okay. There <laughs> after you learning, after you learning that, but, uh, oh, boy. Dan, um, uh, with all the money that you've been making with overtime, you want to place a bet on the uh, Cardinals on Thursday? Negative. You can't bet against the Packers, man. You just can't. <laughs> Then until that fucking Rogers retires or, or shit or whatever the hell is going to happen to him. 
Yeah, I hear you. Uh, John, you've been uh, very patient back. Uh, a week. Doing a great job uh, with the, the chat stuff. Uh, tell us your thoughts yeah, about the I bears. Love the, I love the barflies, but yeah, where, where do I start? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like the head coach tested positive for COVID-19, which means I don't have to keep looking for something positive about the guy. <laughs> That's <You know>? right. <laughs> I want, you know, I, I watch the reader's digest version of the game usually. And I, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. to watch a game so about four minutes into the game we were down three touchdowns so just 21 nothing in the first quarter i think i said last week when i was on here the only question was whether the bears were going to cover 12 and a half points and right. the answer was no yeah, emphatically so, I mean, no yeah uh yeah, yeah i mean watching uh uh tom brady at 44 years old you know it's hard to he, he went to florida found the fountain of youth something ponce de leon couldn't do mm-hmm. so it's like, uh, you know, I mean, he, he just, he looks mobile. He looks, he looks quick, you know, and he, he's never had, I mean, he has, he has a very quick release and, and just impeccable mechanics. I hate to like be giving the guy a blowjob on air, but no, I mean, he was person. something to watch, man. Dropped, dropped passes in the bucket from Mike Evans, mm-hmm. you know, it was just sliced up the bears, you know, that Tampa Bay coaching staff with Bruce Arians, who we could have had, as head coach, uh, they are they are head and shoulders above the Bears coaching staff, and it was never more obvious than Sunday. Yep. Good Matt, Matt Nagy's and the coaches of the Bears cannot out coach other teams. That's mm-hmm. just a fact. Yep. Um, four hey, four, let four me years. Ask you this, yeah. Real quickly, uh, and I'd love to get you and and Dan's opinion on this. Would you mm-hmm. be surprised if it comes out, you know, soon or even later? Uh, that Tom Brady has been doing performance enhancing drugs, and that's why that's the fountain of youth that he has found. <laughs> He's found some kind of uh performance enhancement drug that the so far the NFL hasn't figured out how to detect. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't either. I mean, there's no, probably yeah, there's probably stuff. big article uh-huh. uh a couple of years ago when Brady was still there, and it was detailing how he was doing some kind of special secret training that was pissing Belichick off because he was turning other Patriots players away from their coaching staff and their trainers to go to his like special TB 12 shit. And he wasn't really disclosing what they were doing. And the article like was really showing how petty was like Garoppolo tried to go and they locked the door and Brady wouldn't let him in because you know, that's his successor. So fuck Jimmy G you know, but yeah, the article was implying that there was probably something nefarious going on there. At least that's the way I interpreted it. And the fact that he's 44 doing all this, would I be surprised? Fuck no. If he's yep. on HGH, I, I, I feel like the league has proven over the years. If he was on something like that, they would help cover it up. Yep. I, I well, I have, you know, we we know for a fact that the New England Patriots were repeat offenders when it came to cheating, right? Absolutely. And we know that the flake gate, that there was some legitimacy to the investigation and that Tom Brady prefers footballs that are underinflated, that it, it helps him perform better. Now, whether that was a, as big a deal as it turned out to be, that's that's debatable. But given the organization that he comes from, Given the Deflate Gate deal, and given and the videotaping, and the videotaping, 
And given that he is doing something that we haven't seen any quarterback do, I mean, nobody. I mean, George Blanda played until he was like 50 years old, but he was kicking footballs. He wasn't playing quarterback. This is, this is to me, I'm just going to raise an eyebrow, but I can't, unless there's evidence of it, I'm never going to blame the guy for doing something nefarious because there's no evidence of it. But I, I, it's, and so I have begrudgingly started calling him the greatest of all time. I don't like it. I don't want it to be true, but it appears that it is. <laughs> you mentioned Blanda. It's worth pointing out that uh, I think it was the 70 AFC championship game. Uh, LaMonica got hurt and uh, Blanda came in relief and played very strong in the title game against the Colts. It was the first ever AFC title game. It was the first year of the merger. Yes, I remember watching that yeah. game. It was great. And he was like fucking 44 that game. Yep. So, yeah, you're right. The dude played for a former Chicago Bear, too. Former Chicago Bear, yeah. We let all the good ones get away right there. Exactly. Man. <laughs> he was, I mean, look, dude was born in the 20s. Oh, my goodness. That's he was amazing. born in the 1920s, and he was still playing. Yeah, it's just so unfortunate for him. I think he was gone when the Raiders finally won the Super Bowl in 76. Mm -hmm. Tooch, I know you're a Tom Brady lover. You love to suck his dick and stuff. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I mean, uh, he, he looked he looked like the model of consistency out there with his form, his mechanics, and just he knew the offense like the back of his hand. I mean, mm -hmm. it, 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 the, the coaching staff, uh, you know, Bruce Arians is the head coach, great leader. Uh, Byron Leftwich will probably be a head coach. Would would love to see him in Chicago. Just excellent play caller. You know, puts mm -hmm. puts Matt Nagy makes Matt Nagy look like a kindergartner. To be honest, you know. Yeah, but him do we Keller know he's an excellent play caller, or is Tom Brady making him look good? Because that's that's what Peyton Manning made Adam Gase look like a genius. Yeah, I'm sure it's a little of both. Yep, or a lot of Brady, a little bit of Leftwich. But the game plan is still probably Leftwich. Yeah, I, know, I agree the offensive that game plan. The, the the thing about his relationship with Tom Brady is can only make him better, you know? And so if, if he really is a good coach, he's probably absorbing everything that he's learning from Tom Brady. And hopefully Tom Brady's learning from him. If that's the case, then Byron left Leftwich should be a top uh, coaching head coaching candidate this yeah. coming season. And then the and he was, he was a tough quarterback too. Like he didn't have, Obviously, immense success, but one of the images I always have indelibly yeah, in my mind of Leftwich is when he was at Marshall, mm -hmm. uh, Marshall University. He got hurt, he yep. completed a pass, and his fucking lineman carried him down the field because he couldn't run. Did you see that, Tooch? Did yeah. you remember that? Yeah, that was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah I was admired as grit, Leftwich. You know, he played hurt pretty much his whole career in the NFL. He was always injured. Yeah, so I, mean, I wouldn't doubt it when he was on the field, he was, he was injured. Hurt. <laughs> that's right it's hard not to yeah. be hurt given where he was playing but yeah that i i'm with you dan that is one of those images that i'll never forget um him being carried down the field and it was like a 40 yards they were carrying him down because he yeah, completed he a long pass fucking move. <laughs> yeah but he could still throw the ball so yeah I, I have a lot of respect for left which is just a tough guy. I mean, hell out there and he can't even move and he's still throwing the rock. Man. Well, he's sure. definitely on that list of people who should be interviewed for a head coaching job at Wichita. I would rather have him than Eric Bieniemy. I you were starting to see I too. what I what I pr projected not that I'm Mr. Know-it-all here, but I told you when uh Kansas City lost the Super Bowl, I was like, "Man, you put Mahomes on an average team, this guy is going to throw the ball. He's going to have 30 interceptions a season." And you're starting to see that. Yep. 
you're right. This season. Yeah. I, I love a former NFL player as a head coach, man. I, I, I just think we were hiring these like nerds to, to coach our team. I mean, they got Tressman and then, you know, we have, we have got Nagy now. I mean, like yeah. four years into the Nagy tenure versus teams with a winning record or 500 or better. Matt Nagy six and 21, although six mm. and 21, the That's offense is amazing. 32nd out of 32 and the offense averages 124 yard passing a game for an offensive guru that. that is great pathetic yep. pathetic great stuff yep. uh the other guy who is getting a lot of buzz and i don't frankly know much about him despite his long uh accomplishments long list of accomplishments is the offensive coordinator with the buffalo bills uh, greg gabriel is like you know shouting his praise from the rooftop greg of course is a buffalo bills fan grew up in buffalo but the, uh, I'm forgetting his name now. I'm drawing a blank on his name. So somebody in the Brian camera. Dayball. There you go. There you go. Brian Dable or Buss says Tua. Um, this guy's getting a lot of bets. So he's 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 on my list of people to interview. So you got Leftwich. You got Brian Dable. Who else would you like to see? Uh, Ryan Fraley says Kellen Moore intrigues him. So um, that that should be a third guy we're going to interview. Who, who I love that, I love that Cowboys playbook, I'll tell you. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Anyone else you'd like to put on that short list of uh, people? The new general manager of the Chicago Bears, the new general manager, Aldo Gandia. Tell me who I should interview. <laughs> I, I'd tell you what I'd like to see if I were writing a script because uh-huh. he's been there so long and they haven't won in a really long time. Uh-huh. I would like to see Pittsburgh say, okay, Mike Tomlin, you know, it's been a fun ride, and then bring his ass to Chicago and give him the keys of the fucking car. Did you hear like, it? Tell him he can be the GM and the coach, and, and he's still young and – has been yeah. consistent and it's a funny you should mention like, him. I would love Mike Tom. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that, dude? It's funny you should mention Mike Tom because the rumor going around today and social media was Mike Tomlin to USC, right? You know, as the head coach of uh, University of Southern California, and he shot coach. that down at the press conference. Yeah. He says, "Why would I want to leave the best job and one of the best jobs?" He said, "Yeah." And and well, how and about this one, Aldo? Football. Go ahead. I, I didn't mean to step on you. What about former Chicago Bear Leslie Frazier? I'm not a fan. Um, and I don't want to get into the politics of stuff, but he has uh, said some things in the past when he got into an argument with the kicker of the Vikings, the punter of the Vikings, who was defending the LGBTQ community. And, and Leslie said some things that I was disappointed to hear. So because of that, I, I would not want to interview him, although I have the utmost respect for him. I think he's a great coach, and he uh, executed one of the greatest interception I've ever seen in, in football history, and that was that interception against the Green Bay Packers. Um, I, I like the guy for so many respects, but I, I want somebody also who is not going to give me more headlines of – you know, political bullshit and so forth. I want somebody with a clean record. And I'm actually surprised that he's still coaching, given that information that was released years ago about what he told that punter. So I, I, I'll i just leave it at that. Well, how about a name I know you will not be happy about? <laughs> it's still always out there, especially if he loses to Ohio State again. How about our very own Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, like it's, I've told you before, I'm not a Michigan fan. State, but. They're playing Michigan State this week, but yeah. That's right. That's well, right. it's uh, coming up, right? It's like a couple weeks away, right? The big game with Ohio State. I believe you're right. Yeah. Is it, I, I might be two weeks. Yeah. This, two weeks this week away. is a big game. 
he has That's what I'm saying. So they could move on from him if he loses to Ohio State again. Yeah. What do you think, Tutu? Are you a Harbaugh fan? Hey, you know, anything is better than Nagy right now. Just, you know. Harbaugh I gives just, you the Mike Ditka edge. Yeah. Uh, I like it it depends on who he hires for his staff. I mean, he obviously, uh, he's a former NFL player, which you like, because guys that played in the league, you know, they understand what players go through. You know, the injury, playing hurt, uh, the you know, uh, interacting with the public, interacting with the media, the money, the fame, all that stuff. Uh, as a former player, that's why I said I, I would like a former player to be head coach. I know I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, uh, th- those guys, uh, like like they, met, they mentioned Brian Dayball, Byron Lefwich, and uh, 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 Kellen Moore. Any, any one of those three guys is gonna is gonna coordinate a, a professional NFL offense, not the. I don't, I don't know what kind of offense we have right now, but it's not good. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's terrible, you know, and the, the roster is, you know, it's full of aging players, a bunch of good young players. I mean, you, you saw some good, good players uh, uh, like Khalil Herbert. He's, he's, he's almost made David Montgomery ex- expendable. You know, I mean, it, 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 do you think David Montgomery will get this giant second contract when his, his, uh, his first contract is up? I don't know. I don't. I mean, you've got Khalil Herbert, who looks faster. You know, a little more decisive. Uh, I know Montgomery's a great receiver out of the backfield. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Montgomery. He's a Cincinnati kid. I wouldn't be surprised to see him sign with the Bengals uh, and 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 take over for Joe Mixon. But uh, I mean, I, I think you got you've got a comp- uh, capable backup or uh, replacement in, in Khalil Herbert, and that was pretty obvious. And running against the number one rush defense in the NFL. Mm. I, I I want to respond to uh, PJ saying you know not not talking to Vic or excuse me uh, Leslie Frazier it's it's cancel culture and he's right he's right so if if by his performance over the last few years if I thought that he deserved an interview then you're you're absolutely right PJ I would bring him in for an interview. I don't want to participate in cancel culture and so forth, but that would be one of the questions that I would ask him about in the interview is as you're thinking about that evolved, uh, where are you with that? I would want to know that, which is not a great question to ask during a job interview for a football coach, but I just don't want that to be, you know, there are, there are dozens of gay football players on football teams. And Leslie Frazier may ignore it and not support not support it. And so I want to know. I want to know because there might be, you know, Khalil Mack might be gay. I'm not saying that he well, is. Well, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so it's an issue. And I, I don't want to get into it because I know it's 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 a very divisive issue and, and I'm too tired to get into it. But but PJ, you're right. He des- deserves to get uh an interview. Uh, but it, it would be one of the things I talk about. I would like to have a coach that is not, I mean, again, I'm not going to be upset if they would hire left, which is an example, but I would like to have a, a coach that has like credibility already. I know John Fox had some, but I mean, someone that you can make the GM, you know, if, yeah. if this were 12, 15 years ago, I mean, if this were like, Oh, seven, Oh eight, someone like Bill Cowher, like it's been too long for Bill Coward now, you know, but someone that has like that name, the credibility that can give the face of the organization a football guy. Cause like, you know, Ted Phillips and, and what they're, they're, they're trying to get that stadium situated in Arlington Heights. Yeah. 
and our GM doesn't even speak. So we need a football guy. I'd like to have a coach that had, that commanded your respect right. as the GM and the coach. That would be like the best thing for us, in my opinion. Is there any former there that you guys can think of that might be a good candidate for the general manager position? Man, I'd love to see Olin Krutz, but. Man, Olin Krutz would be the type of general manager where if you pissed him off, he would beat the shit out of you. <laughs> yes, he would. <laughs> it, it'd definitely be some discipline around the house hall, though. <laughs> <laughs> that is all right. Greg Gabriel tells me the story that um, Greg works out all, all the time. He did, he's, he's done it for decades. And so he is. He goes to the Bears locker room to work out, and Olin Krutz is there. And Olin Krutz says, "Get the fuck out of my locker room! Get out of here!" He tells he tells the director of college scouting to get the fuck out of his weight room. <laughs> and so that's how Olin Krutz was about how protective he was of his environment and his team and and, and the type of person that he is. He's much calmer now, but I'm still very afraid of him. <laughs> But that's what the Bears need is yes. a guy like Olin that has some toughness. Agreed. You know, it just feels like we're so soft, you know, and especially on offense. Yeah. The locker room could use a guy like that too, man. This is a team that's lost the locker room. I mean, look, you had you talked about the Jalen Johnson letter signed Matt Nagy. It was a fake signature too. It was like printed, you know, like <laughs> printed from a printer, you know, a scanned, a scanned signature. Just like so impersonal. You know, it's like, I mean, I kind of felt for the kid. I mean, should he have posted on Instagram? <laughs> no, but I mean, that's just, these are signs of, of, uh, of, a, of, a, of a team that's uh, just disinterested in this coach. Now, you know, this is just my opinion. I'm not in the locker room. You know, I, I just, you can see guys uh, uh, jogging through routes out there. A lot of business decisions made. I was just watching the game in, in basically, you know, condensed version. But a lot of guys like not wanting to stick their head in there, you know, make a tackle. I mean that it's all just like why should I why should I sacrifice my body? This coach is gone. This coaching staff, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They can't out coach another team. They can't game plan. That, that's a, this is just what I, I see from the outside. Yeah. What it looks like to me. And and then you, you played that quote. I will say, you know, from Matt Nagy. Now I, I want to read it like this. Okay. I will say the last couple days with our team, we've become really close. <laughs> For us to become as close as we have the last 24 to 48 hours, I just trust and believe in them. It's like, it's like, it's like sounds like someone needs a friend. <laughs> you know, he just needs a hug. I, I almost felt sorry for the guy, but like I said, I mean, Dan knows. I wanted him gone two years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm two I years ahead of the curve. You saying that in 19. I it. I saw. I'm two years ahead of the Bears fronting front office. So just, I mean, yeah, I knew the guy couldn't coach. I knew he couldn't offensive game plan. He his offense was garbage. Do me a favor and read that again. <laughs> you want me in the same uh, in the same yeah, voice? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I will say the last couple of days with our team, we've become really close. For us to become as close as we have the last 24 to 48 hours, I just trust and believe in them. It's like he's on the verge of tears. I love it. <laughs> that's the way I meant when I when I saw it in print, I was like, that's how I read it. It's like a guy crying to his girlfriend. You know, like he broke up with his girlfriend. That's right. It, because he knows that it's coming. He knows yeah. that he's gonna lose his job. He knows yeah. that you know the handwriting is there, and so he is trying to find anything to hang on to. And it's it's 
I feel for the guy, you know, Hey, I've, I failed in a lot of things in my life. And so I know that feeling, you know, when you're fuck, man, I'm, I'm not getting the job done here. They might get rid of me or this, I fucked up this project and shit. I know that feeling. So I feel for the guy, but guess what? That's the way the fucking world works, man. You don't Tough deliver. Titties. Yeah, exactly. You There's only football. 32 jobs like this in the world. Exactly, Dan. He's had one of them for four years. So I, as much as I have empathy for him, like you were saying, he he is, if he's terminated, he's gotten his fair shake. Mm-hmm. It's not like he was somebody that got fired too soon, like Tony Perez with the Cincinnati Reds or something, like 30 games into a season. I mean, this guy literally has been given all had a, had a great defense, had a, a two different quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round, and he has fucked it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. absolutely right. He he's has gotten, gotten gotten more every more. opportunity, right? More chances than he should have. You know, more. He's like a Think he's like a, a a top ten hit that you're so sick of. It keeps getting played on the radio. You can't stand it anymore. That's Matt Nagy. About like Dave Wanstead or Dick Jerron, uh, these coaches that would have like been willing to suck a guy's dick to get a first round pick uh, that was a quarterback. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this guy's had two of them. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So and and so the question now is, you know, regarding Ryan Pace because we know Nagy is gone, but is Ryan Pace going to survive this? Uh, what do you want to call it? This next purge at Hallis Hall. I was, man, you, you must be reading my mind. I was just like thinking the same thing, although, because I mean, is Pace still Nagy's friend? You know, is he distancing himself from Nagy? You know, right now, what's the what's the intrigue at Hallis Hall? You know, it's like, yeah, where yeah. where are the, are the knives out? You know, where which back are they being planted in? You know, it's like, I don't know. I mean, should another guy who's gotten probably more than enough play, Dan, is, is, uh, is Ryan Pace. Yeah. Well, and, and Dan, you and I have, have talked about how in those Bill Lazor press conferences, it sounds like Lazor has been throwing his head coach under the bus. And so maybe he's had lunch with Ryan Pace a couple of times, and maybe he's told Ryan Pace, this is how I would do this, and this is how I would do that, and so forth. And so every every guy in a leadership position has to have contingency plans. And so he's got to look at this situation and say, well, if I'm going to make a move, I'm going to do it during the bye week. And if I'm going to make a move, who is the interim coach? And so he's got to be taking out Bill Lazor for lunch, Mike Pettin for lunch, uh, uh, Sean Desai for lunch, and anyone else in the, in the Bears organization who might be a good candidate as the interim coach. And so hopefully – because I don't think that Ryan Pace is going to be fired midseason. If anything, he he would be fired at the end of the season. So um, hopefully, if he uh, if he does fire Matt Nagy, which I think is going to happen during the bye week, then he makes the right coach as the uh, of the interim coach, and maybe the Bears get on a nice little winning streak under Sean Desai or Mike Pettin or whatever. And now we've got a real in-house candidate to be the successor for the head coach job, job and we don't have to go through this whole disaster not disastrous but this whole you know rebuilding thing where you got to bring in 25 new <laughs> new coaches into your organization you know i i'd hate to see that you know start from ground zero all over I, again i agree with you because more than anything it, like i said this about two hours ago if they fi- if pace would fire nagy now 
whether that's, you know, today, obviously not going to be today, but between now and say the bye week, mm-hmm. his, his popularity, it's going to behoove him personally. Like to, to the bears fans are going to view him universally for a couple of weeks. They're going to praise him. There's no way around that. He's going to get a bump. Mm-hmm. It's the October surprise in politics. He's going to get a huge bump. And if the bears would start winning after that, he could save his job. Conversely, if he waits to the end of the year, He's probably going down with Nagy. And, but to add to what you were saying, the, the what would also be better for the Bears to make the move now, whether that's Mike Pettin or, or Bill Lazor, that maybe, just maybe, you can find a way to keep Fields in the same system. You know what I mean? Like if there's some continuity, we don't think it's going to be Matt Nagy, but maybe it's Filippo or Bill Lazor or somebody to where he's not suddenly Jay Cutler and he's switching offenses, he's switching coordinators every year. It'd be great to have some consistency, but we all, I think, can agree that there's one guy who's in the way. Mm-hmm. And yep. maybe this system is capable of scoring 25, 30 points a game, but there's one guy whose dick won't get out of the way. Mm-hmm. That's Matt Nake. Yep. Uh, what's going on with King Pookie Nation Alvarez? He says, give me luck. I have to go in for blood work tomorrow. Hey, King Pookie, uh, good luck. Uh, shoot us. We'll be on tomorrow. Make sure you, you check in with us in the chat room here uh, tomorrow and, and let us know how the blood work goes and, and keep us posted. We'll be sending prayers and, and sending good vibes. So, Yeah, great guy. Great guy, King Pookie. Yes, he is. We uh, got a chance to meet him here. Tooch met him, too. So he's a super guy. And yeah, great guy. guy. Yeah. Steven Nagishi says, you know, Pace is plotting to convince the management to save not only his job, but Fields because he's getting screwed by Nagy's incompetence. You're absolutely right. I mean, at this point, Ryan Pace has got to be shifting his allegiance to Matt Nagy and shifting it to somebody else. And Fields is the one guy that can save his job. And so how can Fields do that? You fire Matt Nagy and you give him for the rest of the second half of the season, you give him some competent coaching, and I'm sure, you know, he that's why he's probably, and again, I'm speculating here, but probably why he's been having lunch with Bill Lazor to see can Lazor get more out of fields, the guy that I've banked on this franchise because I failed with the Trubisky selection. I, the fields thing has to work, and I have to show management that this guy has the promise that we thought that he has had when we drafted him. So, He's got to make this move. That's why I am convinced the more and more I hear people talking about Nagy's gone during the bye week, the more and more I'm convinced that that's what's going to happen. Well, what if, <laughs> see, I would be – I still think if they could split or even win both games, they still should fire him. Ah, that's a good point, yeah, because I do believe – that they have a better roster than the Steelers and the 49ers. The 49ers are now, what, two and five, two and four, two and five? I think the, the Steelers have won three games. And I, I, I don't, think, don't, don't sleep on Pittsburgh now. Pittsburgh's well coached. They've beaten Buffalo on the road. They're starting to play better. Yes, they are. You're absolutely right. Yeah, they're, so, they're, on, man. they're comparable. The Bears, Pittsburgh, and San Francisco, probably around the same, at least defensively. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Pittsburgh's got a lot more offensive playmakers. Uh, San Francisco, they can run the ball, but, I mean, they have bad quarterback play also. It's, yeah, it, uh, it would be really, really difficult to fire Nagy if they win, 
even one of these two upcoming games. I mean, a lot has to. Not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Aldo, did you see where uh, Martellus Bennett told a story this week and said that Jimmy Garoppolo was a bitch? Oh, what was that? Martellus was talking about his run with the Patriots. You know, he won the Super Bowl there with them. That's right. And he talked about some story that Jimmy Garoppolo was supposed to start. And then his agent was like, well, you know what? Uh, kind of Derek rose him, you know, and just didn't want him to play. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's fine because it's a business. But you fucking tell the team that shit on Thursday. He tells us that an hour before the game. <laughs> he, he said, uh, that guy's never going to win anything because he's a bitch. And that's a quote. He's like, you cannot win in the NFL, if your quarterback is a bitch and Jimmy Garoppolo is a bitch. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Martellus my. tells it like it is. He does. He always does. But the, the one thing about Martellus is that, how do I put this? He does have a kind of, um, you know, everybody fucks up but me kind of attitude about stuff. I mean, he's made a lot of mistakes in his pro career. He could probably still be playing if he had not made some mistakes. The the worst thing about Martellus Bennett's career is that he gave up on the Packers when Aaron Rodgers had a season-ending injury, and he basically said, "Yeah, I'm hurting," you know. And then so, and then that relationship with the Packers ended, and then he ends up on the Patriots squad. It was and clear the Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> it was clear what he was doing. He didn't want to play for a loser. That's which is why he left the Bears, which is why he left the Packers. So I don't, I don't like that. I like the guy. I mean, he's so creative. He's so funny. He's a unique individual. I would love to talk to him about there. There's just some things that he's done that kind of rub me wrong. But it would be can cool uh, can Dan answer that question down there, Aldo? Isn't Nagy zero and three coming off the bye? I'm, if anybody can answer it, it is Dan. It'd be Dan. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, I don't know. Let me think about that. Yeah. Um, who was our buy? Let's see, eighteen. Who did we come off the buy with? Did we play Green? No, we played Green Bay real late in the year, and we played them in Week One. Mm-hmm. Uh, I checked that in in uh, eighteen che- because we didn't lose a lot of games in eighteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might be one and two. I could see that the last two years for sure, but I don't know about eighteen because mm. we lost the Week One game to Green Bay, and then. You know, we didn't lose a lot that season. Right. All right. So let's see here. Last season. By the way, we should have known something was up with Nagy when he blew that first game. <laughs> yep. Khalil Mack playing like a fucking, like, like an incredible Superman. Mm-hmm. And you got like a 21 to three lead at the half. And guess what? He found a way to lose it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So let's see. I have. Um, Owen, two. I'm going to the 2018 season. Did they lose after the bye there? Yes, they did. Owen, three. Bing, 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 who, bing. Who Chicken did they dinner. lose to? Uh, in 2018, yes, they lost to the Miami Dolphins in overtime. Oh, the game where Parky missed the fucking kick. There you go. I'd forgotten that that was after a bye. <laughs> yeah. God, and that was in the sunshine, and he had played there before. They should have yeah, cut that yeah. bomb after that game. You're absolutely right. Shane Marshall, I think, said that at the time, and it was prescient uh, because Shane was was calling yeah, for yeah. his for him to be dumped, and that probably, you know, if they would have done that and picked up Cairo Santos, <laughs> maybe the Bears would have uh, or advanced to the playoffs. No double. Forget, in like week ten that year, he had the four. 
kicks against the field goal post uh, against the Lions. That's right. That's why Don Burr keeps coming back on to, to brag about the Lions because he remembers that. <laughs> I mean, he should have been caught at least after that game. Yeah. But he was Steve Tabor's guy, uh, Chris Tabor's guy, who is now leading Our the new meeting. interim coach. <laughs> <laughs> what a disgrace. What, uh, that's a question for you. What if the Bears were, would fire Matt Nagy, but it's contingent that you hire Chris Tabor as your head coach? <laughs> I would almost rather keep Nagy. Fuck it. But somebody put up on, on, on social media today, Twitter, if, if the Bears, you know, lost their franchise in the NFL, what NFL team would you then root for? So I'll ask you, Tooch, and then Dan, who would you root for uh, an NFL team if the Bears no longer exist, existed? Like currently right now? Yeah, which team would you like, now become like with, a fan of? Like at this point in time or like from? No, this point in time. So okay. the, the team that you're going to root for moving forward. Boy, I mean, I, I've always admired the Steelers, the, the organization. Uh, they always they draft well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're always, almost always, every year competitive. You mm-hmm. know, they play tough defense, a lot like the Bears. You know, it's a blue collar type team. You know, uh, I, I, I probably would would find myself rooting a little bit for the Steelers. What do you think, Dan? I'm surrounded by Steelers fans. No fucking way. <laughs> I, I would be rooting for Oakland, or I'm sorry, Las Vegas, I think. The Raiders, really? I don't even know who the new coach is. I don't know how to say his name. I saw it the other day. Uh, but yeah, I've always kind of liked the Raiders, and like uh, I relate to them all the times they were fucking cheated in the 70s in the playoffs, and I don't know how many other people know about those games, but it was just over and over and over that they <laughs> – got the wrong like the short end of the stick i, I kind of relate to that as a bears fan so yeah i think i would uh, i like the raiders championship teams all three of them mm-hmm. um a lot of interesting choices in the chat room uh ravens chargers uh Bengals, even the Bengals, which are an interesting team my choice nobody I would I would watch NFL football casually, the big games, the big matchups and so forth, but I would not root for anybody. I would spend more of my precious time doing other things, you know, reading a good book, going for vaca- more vacations and stuff. I mean, I love the Chicago Bears. I absolutely love the Chicago Bears and why else would I put myself through this fucking turmoil? It's, it's like it's like a family there you go. <laughs> Tonight's going to that's a nice shirt. Um, it's like you know, a family member that is dysfunctional, but you just can't say, Okay, get get out the fuck out of my family. I never want to see you. I can't do that with the bears. I I, yeah. I love them. It, they're like my child, but if I if something happened to my child that they're no longer in the league and so forth, I, I'm I'm not gonna root for another team. I didn't know it was a trick trick question. I I, <laughs> I thought I had to pick somebody. I mean, I, I was going to say I'd pick whoever I was wagering on to root for. There you, know? you go. That's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm rooting for whoever the Cardinals was, this week. That's probably what would happen. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm rooting for the Cardinals and the points. <laughs> and and you know, I I kind of like the Bears plus three and a half right now. You know, they bounce back pretty well oh, against. I like that. Uh, yeah. They bounced back pretty well uh, after the the Browns and went into Las Vegas and beat the Raiders. I mean, yeah. you saw what the, the 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 Niners got blown out at home by the Colts. Mm-hmm. You know, and speaking of the Colts, man, we could have had the GM from the Colts, Chris Ballard. No, Greg, why we... Greg Gabriel's good friend. Those guys are yeah. very good friends. You're I was like, he, 
he grew up in the Bears organization. Why'd we kick him out and hire some outsider from New I, Orleans that never had a had never had a GM job that, before? That Chris Ballard is, would have been perfect. He hired an NFL coach too. You're absolutely right. Absolutely yeah. right. Absolutely right. All right. Last half hour of the show here. I want to talk about some uh, movies and stuff. Go find out what you have been seeing, what you like, and so forth. And I know Dan had probably hasn't watched anything. He's been working 20 hour days. Yeah. I, I'd like to start off real quickly by talking about the M. Night Shyamalan movie called Old. I saw it uh, this weekend and I was really impressed by it. It's not a great movie by any means, but it's M. Night Shyamalan. And he, I, I think all of his movies, even the ones that are not successes, are still interesting in concept and execution. M. Night Shyamalan's Old is a movie about vacationing people who come up, uh, upon an island where they start to age rapidly. I mean, if you're 25 years old and 10 minutes you're 30 years old and it, it is that kind of a movie and what m night Shalaman does without giving away too much is really interesting camera movements to help get across the 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 sensation that these people are going through that they're rapidly aging and there's you know uh, um uh, um uh, uh, subplots about you know, people's relationships and, you know, they were going to get divorced and now they're falling back in love, but they're growing older and stuff. It's just a really, really well done uh, murder, not murder, uh, mystery um, sci-fi uh, uh, picture. And I recommend it for all people, particularly if you like M. Night Shyamalan movies. Where, where can I see it? I, I've wanted to see it for a while. I mean, he's a very talented director. He really is. I mean, he has studied all the great directors. Uh, he writes a lot of the. He writes a lot of the of the scripts. Almost you know? all of them, I think. Yeah. Yeah, uh, all of them. I saw it on Amazon Prime uh, for four bucks. I think it was. Okay, excellent. I'm gonna have to check it out. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I've been dying to see that one. I, I like his movies. Um, it, whether or not, uh, like you said, if it, it may not be a great movie, but you're going to be entertained. You know, I don't think I've ever not been entertained in an M. Night Shyamalan film. I at least wanted to watch it all the way to the end to find out the ending. Exactly, because yeah. he's a yeah. master of the twist ending. Yeah. So, yep. uh, are you a, exactly. uh, a Shyamalan fan, uh, Dan McGuire? Absolutely not. There's two <laughs> films that come to head, my mind that I hated. I mean, just hated. Uh, I hated The Sixth Sense. Really? The one recently where the guy has split personalities or what I think it's called split. Yes. Yes. Oh, that was a dreadful fucking shit movie. I fucking hated that movie. And didn't he do devil as well? Devil? I don't think he did stuck that. Stuck in an elevator. No, he, he didn't do that one. It might have been him. I think Dan's right though. I don't know if it was I think he's right though. I think he did do that one. Okay, I'll check it. You guys Devil. keep talking. That guy's got terrible films. I hate his movie. <laughs> Can we talk about how uh, Haley Joel Osment? The... He's done. Uh, do I like nothing? <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. M Night yeah. Shyamalan did do. I didn't know yeah. that. That was a fucking terrible movie. Why? That's a it. great fucking movie. I just don't like it. I'll tell you two things I saw this week. If you if you like, yeah. Uh, one season eleven of Curb Your Enthusiasm started Sunday night, and that is my kind of shit. If you if you don't if you haven't seen Curb Your Enthusiasm. You really should binge like seasons one through ten immediately. Um, did anybody watch it? I thought I thought it was great. The I, I have not seen it yet. No, I don't want to spoil it. But it, don't it go was ahead, great. spoil it. Fine. I mean, I'll still laugh. <laughs> okay. Well, the premise is it starts out. I'll just tell you what the arc is this season. Uh, the arc is he has someone robbing his house, and 
they're trying to get away and they fall in his pool and drown. So oh one of his family members of the guy that drowned is suddenly trying to force Larry to uh, like to, he's like, well, if you cast my daughter in, in your sitcom, then I won't have to sue you. You know? So now he's like trying to get this girl who of course has no talent whatsoever to be in his film. You know, that show young Sheldon or whatever on uh, CBS, CBS. The, the big, you know, and within the context of the show, he's pitching to Netflix, young Larry. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and he's trying to get this girl to play young Larry's girlfriend, even though she has no ability whatsoever because he's being blackmailed. But it's still, it's hilarious. He's dating Lucy Lou in the first episode. I won't tell you why she's not dating him by the end of the episode. But it, suffice to say, Leon and him were having this great discussion where Leon was like, when he, he's like, you know, motherfuckers fall down all the time. They never get any pussy. He's like, you know, that fat motherfucker in the Three Stooges? It was going like, whoop, 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 whoop. Never got in the ass. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love Leon, man. You got to love Leon Black. Uh, Kirby Enthusiasm is great. And I'll tell you one more. And I, I was surprised. I mean, I was surprised. I expected, I've said it on this podcast, they're going to steal my money. But the Halloween Kills film that everybody else has hated, I enjoyed. And I'll tell you why. I went on a date and saw this on Saturday. Mm -hmm. The couple things I really liked about it, all nostalgia, but follow me on this. If you watch the original Halloween, the, the one from 78, the guy that plays, I'm talking about the actor, not the character. Okay. The actor that played the original sheriff, his daughter Annie got murdered. They brought him back in it, and he's got to be 80 years old. Mm -hmm. He was in it. The actress that played the lady that at the very beginning of Halloween, they go to the sanitarium and Michael escapes and she's in the nurse outfit. That lady's back in it. Okay. Uh, the original actress too. Uh, they've got a guy who's pretending to be Donald Pleasance in a flashback scene. I thought, wow, maybe that hit the cutting room floor, but no, they just had a guy dressed up as him with all kinds of makeup and he looked just like him and he sounded like him. And I was like, wow, that was really cool. And then they have Anthony Michael Hall straight out of like 1988 playing Tommy Doyle. Like I haven't seen Anthony Michael Hall since 1990. I'm telling you. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So all this nostalgia and with all things considered the, the movie, uh, I hated the one in 2018. I thought this one was well done. Of course it sets up the third one in this new trilogy, but I thought that it was as good as it possibly could have been. Well, um, could it have been like a uh, uh, virtual, like C CGI Donald Pleasance? Like in, uh, I don't know if you saw Star Wars Rogue One, they had Peter Cushing, you know, like recreated for Star Wars Rogue One, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin from uh, Star Wars, you know, could it have been a digital Donald Pleasance. I know that, I don't know if you saw. And, like, uh, think... Someone sent me a lady that I know that I was talking to. She didn't like the film actually, but she sent me some, I don't have Instagram. But she, I'll send it to you now. She sent me like the actor, like with all like some kind of layers of makeup on. He was someone on the crew. They made someone on the crew look like Donald Pleasance. Like it was convincing. I thought it was something they filmed before and it just hit the cutting room floor. Uh, that's how much it looked like him. All right, I'm, check I'm, that I'm out. Finding him. I'm going to find it now and send it to Tooch. Hey, somebody's got a bet on this uh, in the chat room, 4,000 Clovers. He wants to know, are you, Dan Aguirre, are you a fan of the movie Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise? Yes, yes. I loved it. All right, so 4,000 Clues, uh, let us know if you won or lost the bet. Great movie. 
I I wouldn't say it was a great movie. I think it's an okay movie. Uh, it's based on a Spanish uh, Pedro Almodovar uh, yeah. film. Obros uh, los, los, los Ojos or something, right? Something like that. Uh, Open your <laughs> eyes. Open your eyes. For Austin Glover Although, says, yeah. You, you, you probably speak better that. Spanish than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I, I wanted to – oh, darn it. Tooch, what have you seen? Because I want to I, I want to bring up something else that I've yeah. seen that I want to share with I you. Have, uh, I wanted to talk about a couple movies. The first was uh, Dune, which is uh, – the, the we've talked about it before. I really loved <laughs> it, man. If you read the Dune novels – I read all, all, I don't know how many there are now. I read the first five that Frank Herbert had written. Uh, mm-hmm. The first novel, of course, is the best. And it was the novel come to life. It followed the novel almost exactly. And like the it's visuals, better. the visuals were, you know, he brought, Dennis Villeneuve, Villeneuve, he brought it to life, man. Everything about it. It was so well done. The story's great. You have to think of it like um, Game of Th- Thrones because it was an inspiration for, you know, George R. R. Martin's novels. Uh, with these houses, you know, like House Stark and House Lannister. You have House Atreides and House Harkonnen, and they're mortal enemies, you know, and of course the House Atreides takes over the uh, the stewardship of the planet Dune, you know, where this hallucinogenic spice that gives people longer life is mined. You know, it's worth like billions of billions and billions of dollars. So there's a lot of political intrigue behind uh, and, and then there's some great, like, futuristic you know speculative fiction about like what things technology would be like in the future and uh, i really enjoyed it at least it sets it up it has a good ending where it sets it up for part two and you're, you're satisfied it has of course a, a big climax then a little bit of exposition at the end uh but they did say i guess they're gonna uh, the next one will come out in 2023 and then uh the other movie I want to talk about is a film called Rust. I don't know if you heard about it, but Alec Baldwin shot somebody. He killed somebody. Yeah. That's <laughs> the biggest wow. news. Did you all see that Donald Trump Jr. was selling T-shirts to mock What a fucking asshole. What a Jesus. fucking asshole. That's just low, man. Somebody died. Jeez. Uh, brutal. But, yeah, I mean, it was uh, – I, I don't know if you saw the 24-year-old girl who was the, the uh, weapons master – for a thing, her like TikTok and Facebook page. So I was like, it looked like a teenager. It's like, yeah. how the hell, how the hell do you put her in charge of all these weapons? And what the hell are live bullets doing on the set, anyways? Right. You know, and if you're handed a gun, shouldn't you like at least look at it just in yeah, case? Really. Well, you know, yeah, really. Don't point it at somebody for God's apparently, sakes. Apparently, the assistant director who was in charge of all that has a record of the, not having safe environments at, at work. And, uh, and, and it looks like Alec Baldwin will probably not face. Uh, charges that's the immediate uh, speculation will not face charges for manslaughter but as the producer of rust he does uh, face some uh some uh, uh, criminal liability issues so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that uh alec baldwin is a very talented guy but he's an asshole you know and i, I and i wouldn't yeah, be is. at all surprised if because he wanted to, to save a penny that he you know search style people who wanted to work on the cheap and that's why he got stuck with an idiot assistant director or whoever that guy was who was responsible for that shooting yeah um real quickly guys uh i am a huge fan of the tv show on hbo called succession season three just started and again it is the story of uh, because i think i've talked about this before on the show it is sort of like a Rupert Murdoch family and all the Murdoch character 
who is brilliantly played by the English actor whose name I'm forgetting right now. Yeah, but I, he's Irish, Brian Cox. Brian Cox. He's yeah. outstanding. He is just fucking outstanding. And so uh, the premise is that all of his kids are all vying to be his successor. And these fuckers are all backstabbing son of a bitches, assholes and stuff. And so part of what makes there's three parts of what makes succession so successful. Number one is the acting or, or everyone that they've cast is just tremendous. Starting with Cox. Number two is the, 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 the writing half the show is these kids just fucking with each other with, with jokes about their looks, about their stupidity, about stuff. And so you just spend the hour practically laughing your ass off. It's like a roast and, and that's great. The other thing that I really love about this show is the music because there is a mixture of kind of uh, classical music with hip hop and the music just sets a beautiful tone for the entire series, I highly recommend you watch Succession. Start with season one and uh, and, and binge through it. Uh, season three just started. There are a couple couple of episodes in. Dan Aguirre, you will love it. I wanted to ask you, not to ignore what you just said, but I, did you find you finally finished, if I saw it right on Twitter, the uh, Soprano prequel? Yes, I did. Uh, did you like it? Because I thought it was great. Fucking love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I can't wait to see it again. Yeah, I don't again know tonight. why everyone was like so upset about it. I thought it was it served its purpose. It showed you how Tony became Tony. Yes, it, it, to me it is a perfect appetizer because Dan, I think it was you that told me now they're going to do a series uh, with these characters. That was the word around the campfire. That, yeah, that, that's something they're looking at uh, developing. I, I hope they do because I thought it was sensational. I'm a big David Chase fan, so he's really got to screw something up for me to dislike it, and he did not screw this up. It's a great story with great acting, beautifully filmed. It's it's Sopranos. It's a Sopranos yeah, and prequel. Then when the, he gives him the pinky at the end, mm -hmm. and then the Sopranos theme started, yeah. I was like, oh, oh what a man. finish. That was a fucking boner for me, man. Yeah, <laughs> man. I was like, why do people not like this? Mm-hmm. Look, even 4,000 Clovers likes it. <laughs> so what was it they were saying in the chat room about uh, they, they thought I would like Vanilla Sky because I like bad movies? Is that what they were saying? Uh, <laughs> well, sort of. Uh, so I think it was 4,000 Clovers that says that you've got really shitty taste in movies. And so that he, he won that bet on, on Vanilla Sky. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, 4,000 Clovers. But there are some people who agreed with your taste in movies, but there are a few that... Uh, well, that, that's, that's why there's a lot of different kinds of movies. So, I mean, no one's sure. right or wrong in that. That's for yeah. sure. That's I liked it, man. Cameron Diaz was a psycho in that. That's great. She said, I swallow your cum, Exactly. And she crashed him in the car, you know, deliberately. Yeah, 4,000 Clover says, no, That what he was trying to convey is that you like abstract movies. You like movies that are a little bit out there. So, man, I do, too. That's probably true. I don't like comic book movies and shit like that. That's true. I don't like mainstream stuff, usually. Yeah. Uh, I do have some more Olin crude stories, but I want I want to get uh, uh, I want to I want to talk to Greg to see if it's OK to share those on the show. And and Greg is actually going to reach out to Olin Cruz uh, for the Greg Gabriel Talks football show. And so Olin Cruz is probably going to say yes to uh, Greg's request. And if Olin Cruz, 
appears on any show that I have anything to do with, you know, I'm going to ask him some some tough questions, man, because because I'm going to be safely at least a hundred miles away from wherever he is. <laughs> so, but I, I want to get the load on a lot of shit. <laughs> so, uh, and I and I know I would love for you, Dan, to uh, to be able to quiz, not quiz, but uh, interrogate uh, Olin Crutes on a bunch of stuff too. So we'll, we'll see you if know, we can get him here. I tell you two things I would say to Olin immediately if I could. Sure. I would ask him about the night that from a Bears fan, I loved it. There's the night in 05 when Michael Vick and the Falcons come to Soldier Field. It's really cold. Again, Kyle Orton finally gets benched and they bring uh, Rex in to two standing ovations because he gets the one where they bring him in and then he completes the pass downfield to Musin Muhammad immediately and he gets another standing ovation because Kyle Orton had 12 yards passing in almost three quarters or, or two quarters because he got benched at the half. But the thing I remember about that was on the sidelines, I think that sort of prompted the, the benching was Muhammad finally lost his shit and was just like giving it to Kyle Orton, man. It was all in his face and basically calling him a bum. And it was Olin who jumped in and pushed Muhammad out of the way. And Muhammad just backed the fuck down. Hmm. So I, I kind of would ask him about what he remembers about that. He got Muhammad, He got in his face and immediately took up for Orton and got Muhammad out of the way. But the other thing I would like to ask Olin, uh, granted, I know this is a business and I know you got, I mean, businesses before they're not fans when they're, they're employees. Mm -hmm. We're the ones who are fans, but it just feels like looking back, wasn't there a way that Olin could have stayed with the bears in 11 instead of going to New Orleans for a couple of games and then just saying, fuck it, I retire. Shouldn't he have been back here? I know maybe that's more on the bears than on Olin, but Come on, man. Make that work. Yeah, my memory tells me that he was kind of breaking down. Um, and the, Roberto Garza, I, I believe, was the guy that replaced him. And it didn't play that poorly. Uh, in fact, I, I didn't play poorly at all. I thought he played fairly well as his replacement. So uh, at certain times, you got to move on. That's my memory of it. But, yeah, it would be great to ask him what he thought about that period of his career. Yeah. Because Olin played the game when they beat the Bears as the member of the Saints. That was his last game. He retired after they beat the Bears mm -hmm. early in the season. Okay, yeah, I forgot about that. I'm sending you a message here from 4,000 Clovers. I want you to see it for yourself. By the way, did you also the Donald Pleasance thing? I sent it to both of you. Oh, that's what that is. Holy yeah. shit, man. Yeah, that's that the is... member of the crew, and that's how he looked when they put the makeup on him. That is amazing. Good stuff. That does yeah. look like Donald Pleasance. Wow, <laughs> looks exactly like him. Does <laughs> great actor too, man. Um, anything else you guys have seen that you want to share with our audience? Hey, Heidi, Heidi is saying good to see you oh, too. I love Heidi. Saying if I wasn't married, if I wasn't too. happily married, I would move to Acapulco. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask Heidi a question. <laughs> Take a look at these three men on the screen. John Santucci, Dan Aguirre, Aldo Gandia. If you could choose one of us for a night out on the town, you know, who would it be? So you have 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she picks me because she's going to be in town soon. <laughs> I love Heidi. Yep. Yep. She's coming, I think, Thanksgiving week. And so we're going to definitely. Uh, if you don't follow her on Twitter, you're missing out. Clearly, Absolutely. if she's going by cock size, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> you win, Tooch. <laughs> uh, uh, anything else you guys have seen that you want to share with people? Because I, 
I have not. I think I've, Succession and uh, The Bachelor. You want to talk about The Bachelorette? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, I got one to tell you about. Okay. Uh, don't watch it unless you want to see something just dreadful. Okay. So, again, it's the middle of the night. I'm just trying to stay awake last week, and I was utilizing the TCM app at work. Uh-huh. They've, there's an old Sharon Stone movie. See, I kind of like Sharon Stone. No, I, I, I Even like though her. when she's in like bad movies when she was young, I like, agree. Yeah. She can act and make it better. Mm -hmm. But there's a movie I quit. I turned it off. I was like, God, this is so bad. I can't watch the rest of it. Wow. Where she, uh, she gets the dude tries to rape her in an elevator at the beginning of it. Okay. And she stabs him with a pair of scissors. And the movie's called Scissors. And it's from like, it's got to be like her last movie before Basic Instinct because it's really cheap. It's from 91 and it is fucking awful. It's not her fault. It's the way it looks. The story makes no sense. Mm -hmm. It's just awful. But yeah, it was on the TCM app, uh, Scissors. It's one of the worst. I didn't watch it all the way through, but from what I saw, it was dreadful. You know what, Dan? I actually recorded that off of a TCM, and I've got it somewhere. And I was thinking about watching it this weekend, and I decided not to. So I, I'm just going to go ahead and erase it. I'm, I'm, I don't, it's I don't. awful. It's <laughs> awful. And I'm a Sharon Stone fan. It's awful. <laughs> Heidi said me, and now she's changed her mind. It's you, and I expect that she's going to change her mind and say toots now. So. You remember she had the Mary fuck kill and she killed Shane? <laughs> that was a classic moment on the, on the old 100 Proof show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good. Um, well, I'll marry Heidi. I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, Heidi can marry me. She can kill Tooch and she can fuck you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, Tooch. <laughs> hey, man, I got two, I got two kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't two kill him. Two beautiful kids too. Two don't beautiful. don't kill him. But can you fuck me before you kill me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. I think we're ready to pull the plug on this, guys. Let's talk a little bit about what. Uh, any final thoughts before predictions? Uh, I got a final thought. I got a final thought. All right, go ahead. Dan. And a lot of Bears fans are going to hate this. <laughs> oh, no, uh, no uh, the Chicago fans hate him. But I've always loved Dusty Baker. I know he's losing tonight. But I'm so happy for Dusty to get to the World Series. Only a second chance. And, and again, he had a 5 nothing lead in Game 7 and 0-2. Bonds is close to a ring. And then they lose against Anaheim. And uh, then, of course, you know the Bartman thing with the Cubs in 0-3. And then he goes to the Reds and wins 97 games and 90 games. And they force him out there. He goes to the Nationals, takes him to the NLCS. Doesn't matter. He's gone there, too. Goes... They're down 3-1 last year with Houston, brings them all the way back. They lose in game seven, and he took the Houston job, and it was toxic. Nobody else wanted it because of their cheating scandal, and Dusty just wanted a job so badly that he took it, and now he's got them in the World Series, and they, they won three in a row against Boston. I'm so happy for Dusty. He's my favorite manager, and I hope they beat the Braves. And again, they're losing tonight in game one, but I really think Dusty Baker is a Hall of Fame manager, and if he wins this series, it puts him over and makes him a Hall of Famer, and I hope he gets it. I, I'm rooting for the Astros just for that reason. Uh, other than that, I, I don't 
like the Astros because of the cheating stuff Same. and all that stuff. Yes, I agree. I agree. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, by the way, Heidi says she never wants to play that kill Mary <laughs> thing again. Uh, and the factor has asked us to please make predictions for the upcoming 49ers game. We've gotten a couple of predictions already in the chat room. Uh, and the, the two that I saw are favoring the Chicago Bears. Dan, before you leave us, tell us what you think about this upcoming game. Oh man, I just I, I really need to know more. Is Robert Quinn going to be back? Are we going to try to pass or uh, rush rush the passer this week? Are we going to stay back <laughs> and play the defense we were doing against Brady? Now, granted, they don't have Brady, right? But it doesn't matter, man. If you get if you don't even try to get pressure, mm-hmm. that's some Chuck Pagano stuff. Yeah, and we that's we've proven over and over and over that doesn't work. Right? They have to come out and play aggressive. I. I'm going to say with everything on the line and for fuck's sake, Sunday's my birthday. So let's, and we, we beat San Francisco on my 24th birthday. So I'm hoping that we'll turn back the clock 17 years and win it on my 41st birthday this year. Uh, I'll say that the bears find a way. I don't want to give you a score. Uh, Fuck Uh, the way things are going. I'll give you like, I'll give you a score 16, 12, Wow, bears, bears! That's that's an unusual score. What about you, uh, Toot? You got anything unusual in terms of score, and who you, who you think is going to win this game Sunday? Uh, well, I mean, like Dan said, it all depends on the defensive line. You got Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, a lot of guys injured. That's going to mm-hmm. make it tough for the Bears to, you know, get a pass rush. Uh, I, in that case, I would lean 49ers in this. Although I will tell you that the I do like the Bears' first half plus the points. I think they can, you know, they they play tough in the first half. I mean, last week, of course, being an exception. One prediction I can make, though, is that Robbie Gould will not be returning. He's injured. It'll be Joey Slyking. Thank God. Fuck Robbie Gould. (laughs) Yes, I agree with you. He used the Bears for his contract negotiations. He never had any intention of coming to Chicago. He's just talking shit to help with his negotiations with the 49ers. And he rooted for us to lose in the playoff game against the Eagles. Yeah, fuck him. Um, (laughs) Let me say quickly, I am worried about this game because I think that uh, Khalil Mack's one tackle, as Dan said earlier in the show, I think is an indication that he might be kind of slowing down for the season. And I wish the bye was this week for his sake. So I, I'm concerned that, it, it, particularly if Robert Quinn is not there, that we're not going to get any pass rush at all. And I really do believe that Khalil Mack might need a uh, a load management week where he just needs to take a week off to repair his body. Like we know he doesn't practice at all during the week. He takes uh, mental reps. He, he, he works out on the, on the bike and so forth, but that's not the same as practicing. And so we have seen in the past that when he doesn't practice, usually um, his performance starts to suffer and, and the guy goes out there, he plays hard, man, and he's getting hit by two or three different blockers. And I saw replays when he was uh, lined up in the middle of the line. There was a bunch of guys taking a shot at him, and so that just is is tearing down his body even more. So given that, given that the Bears may not have a pass rush against the San Francisco 49ers, who going into Sunday night's game were ranked, I think, fourth or fifth, in allowing the fewest pressures to their quarterback, then that is concerning because if the defense is not going to be there to disrupt the passer, they're going to score some points and the bears are going to be in trouble. Um, 
there a lot of people have been saying it's going to be a low scoring game and ten, and and I and I agree. I mean, every indication would be that it 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 probably is. Heidi says it's going to be 17-13, and that's a good score. But I also think that it's going to be necessary to score a lot of points in order to beat the 49ers. Don't be surprised if it's like a 27-24 to 24 game and uh, the Bears on the losing end. So you're predicting know, man. a 49er win? I'm predicting a 49er win. Okay, I mean that's good. These that's, are two that's, pretty good. You don't have to predict the Bears to win every week. I commend you on that. Yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I'm done with the Bears, man. I'm done in terms of having hope that they're going to win. I'm going to look at this realistically. I don't think this team is going to win uh, Sunday. Well, that's Nagy's last stand. I think uh, I, he may not even be in the building. I guess because of COVID, but he's still going to draft the game plan and stuff. So. I think somehow, some way, they can find a hopefully find a way to win this one, and then you got eight days maybe to get Mac ready for Monday night against Pittsburgh. Uh, hey, by the way, is Tyler or is Mr. Is the Gaines report going to be at that game in Pittsburgh? Yes, uh, I want to meet the Gaines report. I really do. Gaines and Buffon are both going to be there. You don't want. Well, I would meet Buffon too, but I, I really want to meet. I'm just no slight on Buffon. I just. The gains report, man. I just shaking his hand would make me feel more confident in my my life. <laughs> he definitely the gives off positive vibes. Uh, just he should be a preacher. Yeah, well, I think I think that's part of what he does. He's an entrepreneur. Aren't all, all entrepreneurs preachers? They got to convince no, people. Feels to invest. like a like a fucking one of those guys that like sell videos and shit. You know, like. <laughs> Tony motivational Ryan. speaker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yes, exactly. Well, make sure you tune in tomorrow night after Buffon 55. Uh, Tyler Gaines is going to talk about the Mombasa initiative that he's a part of. And uh, his father uh, used to travel to Mombasa in Africa and help out uh, the, the children there get edu- uh, education and so forth. And Tyler, now that his father has passed away, has assumed that role and it works with a committee of people. So He's going to be talking about that tomorrow here in the Barroom Network, probably around 8.45, maybe 9 o'clock. Uh, Buffon 55 will be first on our lineup tomorrow. Guys, you guys did a great job. I uh, A lot of people said, you know, this is one of our better shows. I got to kind of agree. I, this has been a lot of fun. Oh, well, wow. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, well, you know, I'm lying. but <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm kind of like where you are, Aldo, with uh... – I'm so done with this team. I, I can't listen to Matt Nagy anymore. I can't. I don't want to even hear his voice. I turn him off. I try to tune him out. It's like it's torture, you know, just to listen to that guy talk. You know, I, like you, I'm so done with. I've been done with Nagy for two years. I mean, I, do, I love my team. Do I do I want them to win? Yeah, but I, I, I'm not hurting as much after losses anymore. You know, because yeah. I just I'm apathetic. I, you know, I it's kind of like you you want to get through the season and get to the off season. Cause I think it'll be more exciting. You know, I hate to say this, but I think you're taking the right approach. This is a good time to, to display a little bit of apathy towards this team because they're not giving us what we deserve uh, in terms of uh, smarts, decision-making uh, the effort is still out there on the playing field, but I, I got a feeling that that effort is going to start to dissipate because there's just so much tension going on in the uh, locker room last says so so show dan didn't get fired up tonight <laughs> dan didn't share a sex story that's what yeah, i right. <laughs> i will no, say he was working 
story real quick. Oh, give us a sex story. Yeah, baby. No, a safety story. I oh. thought DHC did well in safety, and I would have him start alongside yes. Eddie Jackson. I agree. What has Gibson done? Um, Gibson has uh, missed multiple He's tackles. injured, right? <laughs> he's he's yeah, had I some injuries. I mean, DHC issues. looked good. He had like 10 or 11 tackles against Tampa. Yeah. I was excited that Gibson was coming back and was going to give Eddie Jackson a, the second straight season of having the same safety. Uh, that only happened once before with Adrian Amos, and that was a good pairing. So I was hoping that uh, they would just be better than they were last year. But I think injuries and age are catching up with uh, Tayshawn Gibson. It's time to give DHC that opportunity. I agree. Either and Or if Deion Bush comes back, I mean, either one of them, there are draft picks. Just God, they can't be any worse than him. Yep. Dan, there's a lot of people asking for a sex story. You got anything you can share with us? <laughs> I don't have any sex stories for you right now. But, uh, I can just say that uh, I'll I'll have a vicious, aggressive masturbation scene if the Bears can pull off this win against San Francisco, which I am, unlike you two gentlemen, I'm still very, very hopeful for it. And I still want the Bears. Like, I don't want to give up on the season yet. They're three and four. There's still 10 games left. Right. And, like, if the season's over, it's going to be cold. It's going to be snowing. It's going to be just awful. Like, at least let's have a winner in the process. Like, so if Nagy ends up keeping his job because we win, then so be it. Let's win. All right. Uh, a lot of people in the chat room are saying, please, no masturbation stories. <laughs> <laughs> I concur. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks uh, very much for watching this edition of Dan and All the Bear Their Souls with Johnny Santucci. We love the Tucci. We should do our own song, our own parody song, Johnny Santucci. Yeah. We love the Tucci. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, what do we got coming up tomorrow? Oh, it's Buffone 55. But uh, at 2 p.m. tomorrow, we got Bar Down Hockey Talk. We're going to talk about all the latest with the Chicago Blackhawks. Boy, oh, boy. Finally, then we got to the bottom. This guy, the video coach for the Chicago Blackhawks, was sucking dicks of players. That's right. And the Blackhawks did nothing. They did wow. nothing. You want to know more about it? Bardown Hockey, 2 p.m. tomorrow. The Parisi brothers will take us through that. Is that um, a real story? That is a true story. Stan Bowman, oh the general God. manager of the team, resigned today. And uh, the Chicago Blackhawks were fined $2 million because they did not go to the authorities to report the allegation of sexual abuse by, by a, uh, a, an assistant coach on a young hockey player, a young professional hockey player. So is that not great, tawdry TMZ-type news? And the Bar Down guys will cover it tomorrow. Dan, I know that uh, you want to know more about that story, so stick around and I'll uh, – I'll show you pictures of uh, <laughs> well, last thing. And I'll make you laugh. And I got to go. Okay. Uh, if you've seen Dave Chappelle's latest standup, I finally got to watch it. The one where it's so controversial uh, toward the trans community, which if you listen to the whole thing in totality, it, it, it really isn't. Uh, it's just taking some things out of context. But one of the things he says it has nothing to do with that. Uh, he joked. I forget the context. He goes, Oh, that reminds me of how I felt when I was getting molested by my 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 preacher. And everybody groaned and he goes, No, no, it was okay. I enjoyed coming on his face. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. Oh, but it made me think about that when you said that the poor young guy was getting molested by the Blackhawks or something. Yeah. So 
All right. Well, I got to go. Everyone have a great night. Yeah, I got to go, too. Dan's got to go. Tooch has got to go. Thanks a lot, Tooch, for uh, jumping in and and being a savior. And uh, we'll – Tooch, before you go, you want to plug anything real quick, please? Uh, Yeah, I I do uh, 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 free picks on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Tonight I had the Knicks minus one and a half. They destroyed the 76ers. So if you tailed on uh, on Twitter, you you won won that bet. You know, I I, – all you have to do is retweet and follow. So if you follow me already, retweet my free play post. I'll DM you the free play for tonight. And man, I've got like almost thirteen hundred followers now since I started doing this. Awesome. You know, I started I started with like six hundred. So mm-hmm. you know, I get uh, people just want free plays. You know, the the popularity of mobile sports uh, wagering is uh, you know it's it's uh, only going up. So then That's I have a. Right. Uh, Maximum Edge Sports Wagering Show, myself and Anthony and Glaze from Pounded Sports, and we break down games and give our leans. And you know, uh, we have some special guests. I'm, I'm, we had uh, I wasn't able to make it because I did this show instead, but they had David Bierman on the show uh, oh, wow. tonight. I chose Aldo over my own show. Oh, really? Just FYI, I love hanging out and talking bears and uh, being with the barflies and, and you know, uh, seeing the comments in the chat room. So, But I had David Bierman on tonight, and uh, uh, we're trying to line up Bill Krakenberger, one of the uh, the crack man, one of the world's most famous gamblers. Yeah, you know, quick. And uh, that'll be a great show. So uh, 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 I'd love to have him on soon. And then, you know, we have uh, some other people from the Twitter community that come in and, and uh, give us their picks. The very cute over and under girl, if you follow her on oh, Twitter. Oh, yeah, she's awesome. She's very cute. She's good at picking games. Yeah, uh, she's she's funny fun. and she's smart. Yeah. And uh, 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 we have her on every Thursday and mm-hmm. uh, we break down Thursday night football and then the Thursday night college football games. Friday, we do college football, Saturday, college football, Sunday, NFL, Monday, NFL. And uh, we talk a little uh, World Series, too. We've been talking a little World Series, wagering on the World Series and then uh, college basketball coming up. And man, last uh, last weekend, I think our free picks were like three and oh for our nice. show and nice. uh and then uh uh our vip picks because uh anthony and i both have subscribers to our picks and uh we were 15 and 6 for college football and nfl so i mean it was like it was what our best weekend so excellent uh, congratulations on that yep. and for those listening on our audio podcast it is at john santucci vip that's his twitter handle and so make sure you give him a follow he could make you a lot of money. <laughs> so uh, we like making money around here. So Tooch, great job today on the controls. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again back here next week, brother. Yep. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.